You're listening to the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. Now here's your hosts, Kevin, Derek, and Alex. Alrighty, welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special episode of the Good Old Boys. We are joined by the Fantasy First Rounders Live, and we've got some mock draft coming your way. We're going to do the first round of the NFL Draft coming to you live, and this is a first for us here over at at the good old boys doing a uh, a live stream. So welcome in. Uh, make sure you hit the the subscribe button, the follow tw- button. We're uh, we're coming to you live right now on uh, YouTube, on the Twitters, and on the Twitches. So just got that new Twitch channel for y'all last night. So if you're there, welcome in. Be one of the first to click the follow button. Let's go ahead and uh, give you an introduction to the panelists here. And we're going to go ahead and be uh, going through this same order when we make our picks. We've got Alex from the good old boys. He's going to be making the first pick from y'all in a for in a, just a moment. We've got the real Ryan Hicks over there. He's going to be drafting number two. Chris Pinto, the at Aggie Kappa Sig, he's going to be drafting in that third spot. We got Billy Witt going to be drafting over there in the fourth spot. I'll be taking the fifth spot. And Kevin from the good old boys is going to be taking that sixth spot for you. So, guys, any thoughts before we uh, kick this thing off? Uh, first off, Derek, uh, you have lost the ability to edit, which uh, that had to have been very nerve-wracking for you to start this show off, not knowing that there was the safety net there. So uh you have live, no idea. Right? <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> Internal temperature shot up, flush. Too bad we can't see your face flush, flush out because of uh the fun internet that we're dealing with. But uh yeah, this has been uh this is fun. Uh looking forward to the first of many mock drafts that we're doing here and uh very excited to bring uh the, the boys along with us. Absolutely. Got to love it. And so the way that we're going to set this up is the guys are going to make the pick on this thing. And then we're going to go around the horn and give some takes on that pick. And then we'll move on to the next pick. So Alex, I think that puts you on the clock drafting as the Jacksonville Jaguars 101. Who's the pick? Should I add to the dramatics? Like I think that Jacksonville's going to do on draft night and spend the entire 10 minutes waiting for the inevitable of what we know is going to happen. I'm kidding. Trevor Lawrence going first overall to Jacksonville. He and Urban Meyer will uh, unite, and we will see what that experiment does down there in Florida. Yeah, that's a no-brainer uh, for me. It's Trevor Lawrence. Chris, what do you got to say? James Robinson, baby, top 12 running back. Let's go. Yeah, same here. T-Law all the way. Uh, he's the can't miss guy. He's been the number one pick in this draft for a couple years already. Make it happen. Yeah, I like the pick. I do want to say thanks out there. We've got the, the Scouts Fantasy and uh, FF Peacock making some comments to us. So thanks for uh, tuning in, guys. We appreciate it. Keep those comments coming. We'll keep putting them up there on the screen. Uh, it looks like we got uh, P2W showing up here, Fantasy showing up as well. Uh, Pinto uh, getting some fan love there. Yeah, man, my boy's Nick. Miles, he did this for me back here. We'll talk about that later, but P2W, Nick, man. Nick is a great analyst. Love him over there. He's doing big things. Uh, And then, obviously, man, we we have the fantasy scouts out there, fantasy coaches. So, tune in here for all the Pinto, man. Everybody just on me tonight, man. I love it, though. Let's go. (laughs) 
Kevin, you agree with uh, my 101 selection? Yeah, there's nothing to be said. It, clearly. <laughs> clearly. Next. All right, man. At two, the Jets. It's Zach Wilson. It, if it was anybody else, I mean, who else has a 73.5% completion percentage? Uh, the Jets are here. They traded Darnold. It's Zach Wilson. No, nothing else to be said. I love it for him because I get to take my guy. So that's it. <laughs> yeah, easy enough. Zach Wilson to New York makes perfect sense. Uh, seems like that's what they're in love with also. Uh, no brainer here for me as well. Yeah, I like the pick. I was uh, being a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, uh, you know, up until they traded Darnold saying that they weren't going to go with a, a quarterback here. But that trade, I think you're uh, spot on there. And I think Wilson's the pick. Nice job. I So I agree with the pick, but what a better way to put the NFL draft on tilt is if the Jets do something Jets-like and don't take Zach Wilson and have everyone just rip up their mocks and go, well, screw it, Najee. we're done. It's Najee. Right? They take Najee. Oh, my, if they did that. Oh, you want to talk about well, get your popcorn ready because the rest of the night's going to be a fun one. But uh, I the Jets be the Jets. They probably take like Kenneth Gainwell real quick and send Najee. I mean, he's a beast. He's a beast. I don't I don't think I don't think anybody uh, will expect the Jets to pull that move. Uh, but my goodness, if they did, it would be something. I agree with the pick here. They have to go quarterback. It sounds like everybody has moved Zach Wilson clearly into that number two spot. So. If you're the Jets, you need to – okay, a lot of the big names. Sorry, Pinto. <laughs> well, Pinto's, at, Pinto's at three, so we can see who he likes at three, right? That was an easy shot. So, yeah, I think it's Zach Wilson to the Jets there. I like it. All right, Pinto. So, who you got at three? Who's your guy? So, my guy, man, the junior out of – well, hold on. The four 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 unofficial you know pro day 40 the only quarterback in the class to throw over 90 percent in the categories of quarterback pass attempts quarterback pass yards quarterback pass tds combined quarterback market share the junior out of the ohio state standing 6'3 228 justin mother effing fields boy the eighth best college uh denominator of 52.10%. His quarterback is, or he's the best quarterback in the class with a TD to inter- interception ratio of 8.92%. San Francisco 49ers got Jimmy G there. They want a boatload for him. Let him train up Justin Fields. I know he's pro day ready. You know, let the kid sit for two or three weeks. Let him be what Kyle Shanahan has always wanted the mobile dual threat quarterback. Let's go, Justin Fields to San Francisco. Niner gang, bang, bang. Yeah, that's the more likely scenario here for me. But I do think that, uh, well, you hear a lot about the love affair between Kyle Shanahan and Mac Jones. I can see him going here, that play-action offense. uh, Jones would be a great fit. We'll see how it plays out. Niners not tipping their hand. They're being very evident about that. But uh, it does seem to be some Mac Jones um, heat kicking up for them. Yeah, I – I don't know which way the the Niners are going to go. I know that they're blowing some smoke uh, both directions there. Uh, some things saying Mac Jones, some other folks going with the uh, the Justin Fields pick. I think Justin Fields is probably the more pro-ready quarterback, uh, but I, I do like the pick. I think it makes the most sense. Fields is the most uh, talented quarterback, not named Trevor Lawrence. 
um, in this draft, so it makes sense for the Niners to grab him. Selfishly, I'm hoping he falls down the board a little bit more so my Broncos can make a play for him, but I understand uh, I understand slotting him there at three. Well, I think this would be the right direction for uh, San Francisco to go. I think it's a it's a toss-up for me between Fields and Lance as to which quarterback I think might fit better in that San Francisco scheme. I'm going to go with what I'm hearing from the national guys, predominantly Adam Schefter, who is saying that the Niners are going to take Mac Jones. So I, I don't know. I don't know why you would give up all of this draft capital to move up to three to take Mac Jones, who would very clearly be there at the uh, bottom half of the draft. Um, so this, I agree that this should be the pick. I think this should be what the Niners do. However, I don't know that that's how it's going to play out come draft night. Return of the Mac. This is going to be <laughs> Mac Jones, dude. This is going to be Mac Jones. They've basically spelled it out. Like I like Justin Fields, but this is Mac Jones. 77% completion percentage. San Francisco is going to run a West Coast run-heavy offense. Mac Jones has already done something like that with beast running backs and good receivers. San Francisco has the whole setup in the same way. So I I get the Justin Fields when you talk about talent and athleticism. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think when it all comes down to it, this is a Mac Jones Yeah, so at four, that's me coming in here with the Falcons. Uh, had Chris went the Mac Jones route and left uh, the, the Georgia kid uh, from Ohio State uh, available, that would have made this pick a lot more interesting for me. Uh, you know, Justin Fields being from Georgia would have been kind of a cool reunion. However, uh, makes a lot of sense to me that they go Najee Harris from Alabama. I know running backs don't typically go this high other than the can't-miss type guys. However, Titans offensive coordinator – uh, Arthur Smith coming to Atlanta to be their new head coach. And one thing we know about his offense is they like to run the ball a lot. Actually, 50.28% of the time last season in Tennessee, they ran the ball third highest ratio in the NFL. So we know this offense is predicated off a of heavy workload to a running back on the play action pass. So, and Najee, he's a perfect fit for the offense. 6'2, 230, six yards per carry at Alabama over his career. And he also had 70 catches for 729 yards over the last two seasons. So, He's a little more versatile than you think for a guy his size. Uh, gives the Falcons one last shot to win some games before they break this roster down with the aging Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. The the Bama Falcons right here with Ridley, Julio, Najee. Give it to me. Yeah, I was uh, I was a little surprised when you went this route, uh, taking running back this early. I, I don't necessarily think that the Falcons will go that way, but uh, I can see the logic behind that when you're explaining that. I do think Arthur Smith, though, ran that heavy of an offense, run heavy offense, is because of the fact that he had Derrick Henry on the roster. And that's kind of like, you know, win in Rome type of thing for me. We were, so when we were doing this, I was looking at it, I went, holy crap. I said, I said, <laughs> I text Derek. I said, what the hell is going on here? Right. And I appreciate the logic and the logic is sound. They definitely need a running back. The Todd Gurley experiment didn't quite work out. So Najee, the position of need makes sense there, but I do feel like they're probably going to be going offensive line in this spot. Personally, I feel like to extend Matt Ryan's contract and try and create that cap room, you got to be able to keep him upright. And if you're going to pay the man, he needs to be productive. And while weapons help, 
him being able to actually read the field and continue that high completion percentage is going to be more important. Yeah, this was a, a head scratcher for me as well. Uh, but Billy, you've laid out some very great arguments that uh, I, I definitely see where you're going with it. Um, I'm still in the camp that I don't think Atlanta is picking here at four, but if they are picking here at four, um, I think that this is that's that's a very good. You've made a, a case that I could I could buy into. I'm not buying into that though. Uh, I still think that they either go O line or even go quarterback here. Um, but more than likely, I think that they trade out. Yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with that trade option. First thing I text these guys when I saw how the top <laughs> was, man, Atlanta's trading out of this pick anyway. Yeah. But, so we, that, yeah, that was my initial thought as well. We should lay down some ground rules. We didn't do any trades yeah. uh, other than the order that was given that is still currently in. We didn't do any of that stuff. So if if Atlanta's picking here, I could totally easily see them go running back here. Whether or not it's it's a Najee or a Travis Etienne, I, I like the the argument that you've made for Najee. Yeah, for me, I think Atlanta does not pick at four because the value is just there. But Atlanta's biggest need is running back. And to me, the biggest filler of that need is Najee Harris. My only concern is Atlanta can't win the Super Bowl this year, no matter who they add. And my like when you add a running back, you have a limited window for when that running back is going to be killing it. So as a fantasy analyst, I hope Najee goes to Atlanta because that's an RB1 right there. So the 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 Najee lover in me is like, ooh, what a situation. But if I'm an Atlanta fan, they better trade this deck and pick down because the value is there and, and not necessarily. They can get Najee later if they just trade down. Their biggest need is running back, but they can't. In my opinion, they can't win the Super Bowl with just another running back. They're in a tough division. They're not even they may not even make the playoffs. So my fear is they run Najee through his, you know, I see a lot of Derrick Henry here, and they run through his prime before they're actually ready to compete. So if I was a Falcons fan, I'd be mad at this pick. But if I'm a fantasy analyst, I'm like, yes, Najee, Atlanta, RB1, done. So I was kind of tossed up the entire time, right? Like I love Najee, right? In my mind, every time I see Najee's jersey, I hear Najee is jaw rule in the back of my head from Too Fast, Too Furious. And he's talking about Monica or the first Fast and Furious, right? It's Najee. But also in Bogart's voice, if y'all know who Bogart Scott Breeze, he does it very well as well. So, you know, Arthur Smith came out, and that's the first thing that me and my guys talk about on our show because we're running back fiends, right? It's such a thin position, first and foremost. Najee in this class is in a class of his own, man. He's the third ranked from a pure running standpoint, the third guy over the entire entire class from PFF at a 96.3 or something like that. The third highest ranking that they've ever given out uh, in all of PFF history. Also, when you look at this guy, Najee Harris, his last season, he had 43 catches out of 55 targets. Like the dude is phenomenal in the backfield. He is an elite runner. Arthur Smith has came out and said they're going to run the ball, right? Matt Ryan is going to be with the Atlanta Falcons until 2023. Julio Jones a little bit before that probably. They're going to retire Atlanta Falcons. They want to build for the future. If you're going to build for the future right now, like Ryan said, you got a limited window, you get Najee because he is an elite running back. To everyone's credit, they definitely trade out a four to get him. But I think Najee ends up in Atlanta uh, that we've been talking about, what, Billy, since – Four, two, three months ago, That's and you've called it a couple times. Season. 
Yeah, throughout the offseason. So I love Najee there. I don't think he happens at four, but I think he ends up as an Atlanta Falcon being an SEC guy, Arthur Smith having Derrick Henry, that whole just the narrative street, right? We live on narrative street, man. When you tell the story, you get to build the narrative. So there we go. Najee to Atlanta. I love it. Awesome. Well, that moves us over to uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. And that was my pick. And so full transparency here, I went, I was, I was 50, 50 going back and forth through this thing because what the Bengals need is offensive line here and a couple of really good offensive linemen on the board, having all the teams in front of them, having pass on it. So was very much kind of in between Slater and Sewell, but the pick that I went with is has a lot to do with the fact that Joe Burrow has been lobbying for his buddy from LSU, his former pass catcher, Jamar Chase, to join him. And that's where the pick was. So it's Jamar Chase, number five. So I like the reunion story is fun. Yes, Burrow's been lobbying for him. But Jamar Chase... Doesn't seem like when they were asking Chase about it, he's like, Yeah, it'd be cool. We can, you know, we can run it back. Like, it, it is what it is. Like, the dude's not hyped about it at all. Like, if it were me, right, you'd like to think that if I had the chance to play with my national championship quarterback again, where there's already some chemistry, I'd be a little bit more hyped up about it. And so maybe his PR reps telling him, Yo, pump the brakes. You don't know where you're going and you don't want to burn bridges before the draft. But he just doesn't seem excited for me. Um, I think the Bengals are going to go offensive tackle. I think they realize that, you know, they have some of the pieces in place between uh, a very young T Higgins just coming out of his rookie season. Tyler Boyd still, um, uh, he's a very comparable number two who can also flex into the spot for him. Um, honestly, tight ends, a big, a big, big need for him. So I'd almost rather see him go offensive line, Kyle Pitts, and then worry about, an offensive lineman if I were building the offense around Joe Burrow. But uh, yeah, you can't argue with Jamar Chase. He's the best wide receiver in the class. Absolutely. Jamar Chase, wide receiver one for me. But golly, like, have y'all never seen The Blind Side? My girl Sandy B kills it in that movie, man. Every housewife knows, a.k.a. house husband, the first check you write is for the mortgage. The second one is for the insurance protect this man it don't matter if he got Tyreek Hill out there boy if you know whoever uh Miles Garrett whoever you know is up against some weak at some weak left tackle Joe Burrow's on his butt every week and he's getting hurt he's already been through an injury a season ending injury you can't let that happen to your franchise guy T Higgins has been excellent this is his second year we, we talk about it. The second year guys are going to have a huge breakout year, and T. Higgins is one of them. I love the Jamar Chase narrative first and foremost because, you know, Derek, I live on that cul-de-sac, man. So I'm not knocking it for it, and I love the quarterback pandering for it, but you got you to gotta take the offensive tackle. Come on. Yeah, this was the second head scratcher. So it was back-to-back head scratchers for me. Uh, and Derek, again, your points sound solid. Your argument, I can get behind. Uh, but I definitely think that the Bengals would rather protect the first-round investment that they have from last year, that number one overall pick, uh, and make sure that they can continue to have that number one overall pick for you know an entire season this year. So I think they go O-line here. I think they get um, toss-up. You can take Slater or Sewell. 
Um, but I, I don't see them going white out here um, if they stay in this spot. And I don't expect them to leave this spot either. Yeah, there's going to be an offensive lineman taken here because of the Burrow investment. I mean, I like Chase. He's my only thing is I question he didn't play last year. Like for me, you couldn't keep me off the field if that was me. You could not keep me off the field. I love I would love to play football. So I, I do have a question with Chase as far as yeah, he sat out a year. He's trying to make business decisions, but I, I know football is a business, but you gotta love the game. And that made me really concerned about Chase. I understand what he's doing. I really do. But if the Bengals take a receiver, any receiver, even though Chase, I think that Bengals fans are going to riot. Like you have Burrow, you have two. I think Boyd's a wide receiver one. Like that's how good they have two wide receiver ones. So if you, if you pull a Dallas Jerry Jones and draft another receiver here, I think that you're going to be in big trouble as far as your fan base goes when you already have two stud receivers and you can't Burrow didn't make it through his first year. Like you got to keep that guy healthy. Yeah, I love the Jamar Chase LSU narrative, and I and I would love to see him in this offense. I think it would actually be really fun. This is one of those offenses, young and upcoming uh, fantasy offenses. You know, you'll, you'll pluck a piece of it anywhere you can get it. However, I feel like the smart play here to not pull a Bengals move. They got to get O line Sewell or Slater. Flip your coin. Both of those guys are great options. I think they just have to do that. That uh, like you said, Ryan. Protect your investment. They got to protect Burrow. All right. And I think that takes us to seven since Pinto's hopping out of orders. <laughs> That's my that stuff, man. For a second, too. Oh, that's all good. All right. So at number seven, I have the uh, Miami Dolphins on the clock. Um, there's a lot of speculation over this pick. They kind of they traded back. They traded back up. Kind of what are they doing here? Um I have the Dolphins looking to get some insurance for their uh, Tua Tungavailoa pick last year. And I have him going with Sean Slater, the offensive tackle out of Northwestern. The guy's really getting some some good tailwind here leading up to the draft. Um, you're seeing a lot of different formats where he's, he's becoming the number one tackle in this draft class. I like it. I think the Big Ten style of play leads towards better offensive linemen in general with the NFL not that Oregon's no slouch right they can run the ball but you know you kind of get those those down and dirties uh and Slater's my guy for the Dolphins and I think he'll help uh book in I guess not to his blind side right they're gonna he's gonna be playing left not right most likely so it'll play out a little bit but we'll see Okay, so this was another another uh, scratcher that I had as well because I thought you were going to go receiver here, Kevin, uh, which is what I, I said in the text uh, when I said, all right, let me know which receiver you're going to take because that drastically impacts the next pick that I make because it's going to be a receiver to Detroit. So I was I was waiting for you to pick the receiver, and then I thought – then you came out with Rashawn Slater, and I thought, wow, this is an extremely smart pick for the Miami Dolphins. I think it I think this they would be wise to go this route. Um I thought for sure that the, that you would go receiver for him just to give to a some more toys to play with down there. Um and and it I I I'm with you Kevin. I think they should go O-line here and I think this is flip of the coin. If Sewell's off the board already, you're happy with Slater. If Slater's off the board already, I think you're happy with Sewell. So, um I think it's it's 
whichever way you want to go, personal preference at this point, but I don't think you're you're seeing too much of a drop off between one or the other. Yeah, I'm never going to rag on any team that drafts the trenches, either offensive or defensive line. I just think that's how you invest in the future is you protect the guys that you're going to have to pay the real money to. So I I love an offensive lineman here. Uh, that being said, I this is me being a not so much tour believer. I think that a clever little move would be to draft a quarterback here because Miami is really built to contend now. So if Tua tanks in the first six weeks, you have a Mac Jones or a Trey Lance or a, one of these guys that some people are arguing should go higher or lower or whatever. You have a guy there to compete with Tua because I don't think this is only me being mm, Tua might not be the answer. Like, and that is also me being like, I love Devontae Parker. I love Preston Williams. I like Mike Jacecki. Y'all know I love Mike Jacecki, actually. So for me, I don't think the, the the weapons are as much of a problem, nor is the line as much of a problem. I thought that Tua or the lack of the really uh, clever play calling was the problem. And is that a Tua thing or is that them warming up thing? So for me, Miami, they've made all these trades. They've gained some draft capital in doing so. I still might go quarterback here if I'm Miami. So – like Ryan said, man, I'm going to reiterate that. J- Joshua, you you know how I feel about Tua. Whatever, Josh. Tua is the truth, man. Like, Tua, truth, tongue of Iowa, boy. Let him play. You know how I feel about Tua, right? I know how you feel about Gasecki. You know how I feel about Tua. So, that being said, I was really thinking that at this point, you were going to keep the Florida kid at in Florida in Kyle Pitts, a generational talent for – you know, whatever, Gusecki's great too, but they're both individually different. So that's the way I was going to go with it. But like Brian mentioned, man, like offensive line, you, you can never, you can never go good wrong there. Like, yep. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. So the assumption has been pretty much since the beginning of the offseason that Miami would go wide receiver even before they traded back. However, they kind of addressed that with Will Fuller. They already have Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, Mike yeah. Gusecki. This is actually a pretty deep passing attack and enough help for Tua anyway. It's really smart here for them to just go ahead and keep building inside out. I feel like the Dolphins are doing things the right way. I really like this pick. This is smart, and it's kind of against the grain and probably more likely what they actually do on draft night. Oh, Derek's on mute. That's one. Yep, that was that, was that guy. That's one. Yes. So, we're where's waiting, my, Pinto. Where's my edit button? We had to. We had to. We Bail had to Pinto wait though out, because uh, we weren't sure if it was your internet acting up or if you were actually on mute. So I couldn't. <laughs> oh, I couldn't go. go at you right away. I like it. Where's my edit button? <laughs> hey, this might be the first time I've ever been on with Chris that he didn't do it first, though. I agree. It's 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 a little shocking. I would have lost money go. tonight. Bailed him out. You're welcome, there. Pinto. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Much love, brother. <laughs> no, I like the pick. I like it. That moves us to number seven, the Lions. Oh, that's me. All right. So um, now seeing that there are a number of options still on the table for the Lions, I think that their biggest position of need to fill, they just got their new quarterback in there. Um, they need to go wide receiver. So I, I think that they have to – address that initially. And I was really torn between Jalen Waddle and uh, Devontae Smith. Um, so I went with Waddle for the one sole reason 
that Jared Goff hates to throw the football down the field and Jalen Waddell is a yak monster. So it will work out in their favor if they go for the guy that can catch the six yard and turn it into a 60 yard. Um, so that's why I went Jalen Waddle to the Lions at seven. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I don't have a lot to say about this in any negative way. If the Lions draft anything but a receiver or if they don't trade down and get a receiver later, who the heck? Tyra Williams? I'm actually a Tyra Williams fan, but come on, man. Like, who do you got? You got it. And I think Waddle could be the best receiver in this draft. Like, he's legitimately got that kind of potential. So, it, yeah, to me, this is a no-brainer. You got to see what you got with Goff, even though he's a dink and dunk. This guy can take a dink and dunk and take it to the house. So I love Waddle here at seven. I don't know if he's going to go there, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Alex, when you uh, when you took the pick of Jalen Waddle, I texted these guys a little penguin waddling around, and I was like, there we go. Good pick. That's all I got. Quintez Cephas. Yeah, okay. Hey, boy, don't y'all mess with Quintez, boy. That's my guy. You know I love me some Cephas. Yeah, talking about Cephas, I mean, he's a guy who showed a little promise last year, played some good football. Him as a one, and eh, him with the two with Waddle, I kind of like, uh, you know, for the situation. Uh, same as Chris, as soon as you get, you made the pick, I text these guys. Waddle is a sweet pick there to Detroit. Uh, I dig that. A perfect fit. Yeah, I like the pick as well. They need wide receiver. When we covered the Lions a while back, it was uh, very much a who do they have to throw the ball to. This definitely addresses an immediate need. I like it. Chalk. I love it. Taking arguably, right, the 1B receiver left in this class. So I like it. Uh, Devonta Smith should cut that Heisman trophy in half and give it to Jalen Waddle because all the coverage shifted over to Waddle is what allowed Devonta Smith to have the Heisman season that he did. So don't discredit his lack of stats from this past year. He's the real deal. Yeah, so that brings us to Carolina at eight. And at eight, Carolina finds Greg Olson's final replacement and takes Kyle Pitts. The The reason this makes so much sense is you got Darnold. I think he's better than Bridgewater. You got this quarterback that you just traded for, and you got to find out, is this the guy? They didn't have major offensive line problems considering that McCaffrey missed most of the year. So to me, you have your running back back. You, you have a line that's at the very least serviceable. It's not like the strongest line, but that's okay. But when you get a tight end, that's this special. Like, and we can all agree that Pitts is like a generational talent at tight end. You make the move Carolina. Like I hate, I hated Bridgewater there so much. And I like Donald there so much more. So you got to put him in a position to succeed. And I think that the weakness, if Tom was here, he'd be pooping his pants because he loves Ian Thomas, but no, Ian Thomas is not the way to go. The way to go here is to get Kyle Pitts. You can have Thomas as a tight end too. If you really want to run two tight ends and you let Pitts develop with either Darnold or next year you address quarterback and you have a tight end weapon ready for that quarterback to come right in and work with. Yeah, I absolutely love the pick. I mean, we were talking about it and I was like, golly, you know, Denver doesn't need a uh, a tight end, but if Pitts is there, I'm looking at him, right? Uh, we always talk about like narratives, obviously, right? You got Matt Rule who – as a college coach played with an inefficient offensive line and still got it done with PJ Walker, Robbie Anderson. That's now there. Robbie Anderson has the connection to Sam Darnold who Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson have shown wide receiver one weeks prior in history, right? Even with Adam Gase in New York. So 
Now you got them in the free wild, wild peacocks. You know what I'm saying? They can do it. You get this guy, Kyle Pitts, who's going to be Darnold's safety blanket because Darnold had Chris Herndon, who has immense talent but can never be on the field. We talked about Ian Thomas, like you said, and Ian Thomas has never came up to it. Kyle Pitts is there. Yeah, CMC, Kyle Pitts, DJM, and uh, Robbie Anderson. Sam Darnold has all the weapons to be great. It's one of those, okay, let me give you the weapons. If you win, you're the man. Let's go. If not, we'll address quarterback later. So I, I absolutely love to pick Ryan. Yeah, I think this bodes really well for Sam Darnold. I mean, what's a young quarterback's best friend? That big athletic tight end safety blanket. And then you have the all-time great safety blanket in Christian McCaffrey for your check down Charlie stuff. I love the fit, the Robbie Anderson connection, along with the Matt Rule connection like you mentioned, Chris. All positives for me here. Uh, Pitts to Carolina, it feels like a bit of a fall at eight. But uh, I feel like ultimately might be the best scenario for him year one, fantasy-wise. He stays in his home state too, right? Or close to his home state. So yeah. That's nice. Close to home's always good. Yeah. Yeah, I like this pick as well. Uh, Billy, I think you and Alex went to the same uh, school when it comes to safety blankets. And uh, you and you are saying that reminded me of uh, things I constantly hear Alex say. So uh, I like the thought. I like the take. And for... For that, we were talking on our own show the uh, the other night that Kyle Pitts here for fantasy makes a ton of sense and very much like the pick. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to bring up, Derek. I love this pick. I, I absolutely love this pick. I think it fits. I think it's a very nice complement of weapons now. Losing Curtis Samuel, insert Kyle Pitts. You can still run double tight end. Ian Thomas is a uh spectacular run blocking tight end um that's a large part of why he hasn't been out in as many routes and seeing as many targets is what a lot of people assume they did because the panthers very much still like ian thomas but they realize they need that true uh receiving tight end option this absolutely gives them that you can split pits out wide even and run him out wide you can run uh kind of that tight end slot position whole bunch of different things matt rule and Joe Brady, you're going to be able to do it, this guy. And the Carolina offense is going to be a lot of fun to watch, guys. The team may not be great by the time the season's done with, but they are going to be a lot of fun to watch on TV. And they are now extremely fantasy relevant when going into your drafts. That, we, we, we broke down the Panthers uh, on our show, and this was like we all started kind of salivating when we thought like, oh, they might get Kyle Pitts because uh, holy cow, this would be so much fun. Uh, with a CMC back healthy, with a Robbie Anderson, with a DJ Moore, I think it just makes everybody's value go up, not to mention having a capable quarterback uh, who I think didn't get a fair shake there in New York. So to me, if if Carolina is able to get Kyle Pitts here, smash the draft button, move on, and start laughing to the bank because you just stole the draft at eight. Oh, I guess that brings it to me, huh? There we go. Okay, so at the 1.09, right, the Denver Broncos, uh, they've got a they've got a bunch of holes across the board, a lot of question marks. When I looked at this, I was like, well, what's going to happen? And I saw – so I mentioned Justin Fields was my guy, right? This is truly the guy that I've been so high on prior to everything draft – or pro days, before people started putting out stuff on people. Guys, this guy is super intelligent. There's not a lot of – film on him or whatnot, whatever you want to call it. But the stats that you look at are so great, right? Like he commands the offense. He's so good. He spreads the ball around and he's very intelligent. He makes the right decisions and 
he doesn't make the wrong decision. His eyes are always downfield. I'm looking for in Denver a quarterback battle with the 6'4, 224 redshirt sophomore who ran essentially a four or five mid sub mid four fives in the 40 yard dash. I'm talking about AKA Lancelot, Trey Lance, man. He was essentially in my mind, one of the best quarterbacks in the class because one he's in the top half for a dominating score at a 36.7. He has, this is so crazy. First in this class, for pass interception percentage as an average at 0.00. You're never going to see that. You're never going to see that. He's second in the class at TDs per game at a 9.76%. He's fourth in the class at a, at a pass completion rating at almost a 67%. While also being in the bottom three for total pass attempts, he's also in the top of TDs. So he's very, very efficient. He's a dual threat as well. I think that he puts Glock on his back and he works with these weapons that they have and utilizes Noah Fant. He uses a lot. He utilizes Melvin Gordon and Jerry Judy Cortland's like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. Like why is Glock not working with these weapons? Trey Lance comes into camp, beats him and he becomes a starter being a hometown kid as well, essentially right from a small town school close there. So Trey Lance, man, Lance a lot, man, y'all know how much I love this guy. And I, I want him to succeed so, so much. Yeah, I love the Denver fit for him. That's just a, a particular fan base and small market. Uh, it seems like a really great fit, and I agree with you, Chris. I think he would definitely beat uh, Drew Lockout in a competition. This is a guy that I'm high enough on that at that pick number four where I took Najee with Atlanta. Uh, Trey Lance, definitely some strong consideration there if you were to start thinking ahead for Atlanta. So I like Lance a lot, a lot. At the 10 spot for Denver, I think they got a gift in the lap here. So... Being here in Colorado, I don't know of a single fan that I've talked to that would like to see Trey Lance come here besides maybe Alex, but, uh, they're all stupid for not liking it. They should like it. Well, the, the problem I see with that is, you know, and, and this is something that I've heard you say before there, Alex, is that he's a developmental project for whatever team that he goes to. And I don't know that you've got the pieces in front of him to help him develop. You've now got two quarterbacks on the roster that need more development and a, a bunch of weapons that aren't getting any younger on that front as well. So uh, I can see why why the pick was made. I can see the logic behind it. I just personally hope that the Broncos, my hometown team, go a different direction. So up until Chris made this pick, and even with Alex on our show weekly talking up Trey Lance, I haven't bought into the Trey Lance pick. Like I've been Justin Fields, or you go quarterback on the defense and you go Micah Parsons because the Broncos – desperately need a middle linebacker it's been a sore spot for them for almost the last decade so i've been fields or parsons like it it just those have been the two hang-ups i i i promise to do some more in-depth insight and and fan analysis as a broncos fan on how i am going to feel about this trey lance pick if it comes to pass but for the sake of the draft i don't like it I don't want it. I want Fields or I want Micah Parsons. I don't need another developmental quarterback. We've had that ever since Elway left. We can't develop quarterbacks. So give me the guy that's more pro ready than not and move on. 
okay. Um, first off, uh, if this happens, uh, I think that the Broncos, in order to get Trey Lance, I think that they're the team that moves up to four to to ensure this. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, that Trey Lance, you know, how we have this kind of filtering out here, this would be like dream scenario. The Broncos, for me at least, the Broncos don't have to give up anything else and they get the guy that I want them to get. Um, I would be a huge, huge uh, fan of Trey Lance to Denver. Now, here's something that I want you all to consider. Uh, and Kevin, if you go and do a deep dive on Trey Lance, you don't you don't have to watch too much film uh, because he's <laughs> only he only started 17 games. Uh, in those 17 games, he was the best player on the field every time he stepped on the field, and he did that as a redshirt freshman. Uh, granted, it is the FCS, but you can only play the competition you're up against, right? We're not going to discount a guy who plays, or you will discount a guy who plays in the Pac-12 because it's a Pac-12, right? You're gonna say you're gonna say, well, obviously he had a crap ton of receiving yards. There's no defense in the Pac-12. It's the exact same argument you can make about a kid coming out of the FCS. Oh, of course he's gonna be uh, better than everybody else. But here's the deal: he was better than everybody else on the field. So to me, Trey Lance is uh, if if the Broncos could pull this off, holy cow! Uh, I would probably buy a Trey Lance Broncos jersey. Um, and I don't buy players' jerseys. Um, the only one I have is a Rod Smith one from when I was like 12 years old and they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, so I would buy it. By the way, fun stat for all of you out there, Trey Lance, 17 college starts, the exact same number as Mac Jones at Alabama, 17 college starts. So you want to say, oh, well, he's got so much more in him. No, no, he has not. One guy Eddie. played in the SEC. One guy played Ryan, in the oh, He also FCS. played on the best Ryan, team in the SEC. That That's right really now, easy. I use that. You can't use that. Well, you gotta get easy when you're playing on the best team. Oh, how I, great is that? You Everybody looks good when they play. Mute him, Alabama. Derek. You can mute people. Mute Ryan right now. <laughs> Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I don't have enough. When I watch Trey Lance film, I don't see enough. There's just not enough volume. That's not a knock on him. That's just me saying I'm going to reserve judgment just a little bit because I don't feel like I've seen enough. I saw a lot of Mac Jones where he showed me all the things I wanted to see. With and Trey Lance, he was, starts? He, Ryan, he was against me, leading this people. Real quick. Ryan, if a quarterback is in the bottom three in attempts but leads the class in touchdowns, what kind of fucking film do you need to watch? Film where he's not playing against me and you as DBs, dude. Like we can't cover anybody. <laughs> like who are we covering if we're playing for North ball, Dakota, Sac state, like, and that's who Trey Lance is playing North ball, Sac Dakota state. That's what I should have said. Here's the thing. He's not playing against DBs that he's going to be playing. He's going to be playing against professional cornerbacks and he's going to be playing now to be fair. He's going to be playing with professional wide receivers. So I'm and not a dogging on Lance here. And yes, exactly. That's so true. And he was coaches. such a superior. He was such a superior. You know, he didn't play Jaquan hasty because he wouldn't have been the best player on the field if he did. But let me rephrase. That's a little bit out of the topic. <laughs> I like Trey Lance. I do like Trey Lance, but my, my, and I don't have a problem with Denver taking him because the only, by the way, since John Elway, Peyton Manning played in Denver, guys. He's not a developmental quarterback. We're aware. So there's, the, there's that. He's better, don't matter. But no, he's not. Kick him but off the show now. Kick him off the show now. Kick him off the show now. Kick him off. Kick him off. I agree. I agree. Mute him at the very least. He'll yeah, mute. mute Pinto. No more. <laughs> 
You think about what uh, you've done, Pinto. You think about it. Yeah. So what I'm saying is this makes a lot of sense because I'm not 100% sure that Drew Locke is the guy. And at the very least, you can you can put somebody in there to compete with him. And right now, I would have Mac Jones slightly over Trey Lance, but we're, we're, we're nitpicking here. This is not a big difference. So I like the Trey Lance pick here. I think Denver does have the weapons, uh, but I just don't have enough on Lance yet to make me think, hey, this is a no-brainer. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't have a no-brainer here. I know that Mac Jones is the same amount of starts, but man, Mac Jones had a 77% completion percentage. Like, I can't ignore that. Trey Lance didn't throw an interception. He's got one interception in those games. If he would have played against any DBs, he might have had one. Yeah, when great of DBs, players play against the scrubs, they do great things. Yeah, when decent players play against scrubs, they do great things. Jacob Eason. He played like at North him. Dakota State, and That's he kept Billy's him. On the- Get him out of my face. <laughs> I like Jacob Eason. I like Jacob Eason. I like Jacob Eason, but he kept Trey Lance on the bench. Look, let's move and he's forward, not guys. We'll talk about this later. You're thinking about Easton Stick and no, Trey Lance. Oh, thank a- you. Excuse me. I said Easton. I meant Easton Stick. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank and you, Trey, Lance, Trey Lance was a redshirt in Easton's last year. They redshirted him hey, in Easton's yeah. senior year. He so did play that. I read a book. I did read a book. He did play. On the clock at number 10, we got Dallas Cowboys. This is kind of a fun pick. Seems kind of like cheating for this team to actually you know, be in the top 10 and not have acquired that pick uh, with this roster. They're pretty loaded up, so a lot of fun stuff to do. I definitely eyeballed Patrick Satan here uh, because of the need for DB, and he's kind of just one of those talented guys that you can never go wrong getting a cornerback of that caliber, playing where he did, all that good stuff. However, uh, Dallas Cowboys have played their best football when they had the best O-line in college or in, in pro football. And uh, right now everybody's kind of banged up. They've really taken some steps back. We've seen Zeke uh, decline in production as well as the injury to Dak Prescott. So uh, to, to me it makes sense to, to that, take that left tackle out of Oregon, Sewell, 6'6", 330. Uh, he was the highest rated tackle by pro football focus as a true sophomore, 19 years old that they've ever graded at 95.8 overall, 91.1 pass blocking, 95.7 grade in the run game. So this guy's amazing. And as a sophomore that season, seven pressures on 495 pass plays, never more than two in one single game. Uh, And his pass blocking metrics coming out or rivaling those of Dallas Cowboy left tackle Tyron Smith, Bakhtiari, Trent Brown, Trent Williams are all guys that he's right in that same neighborhood. So this is a guy that probably shouldn't be hanging around at 10. Jerry Jones can't even screw this up. Give me the left tackle out of Oregon. Yeah, I, I like this pick. Uh, I think I I doubt that he's going to be that far down come uh, come actual draft day. But I do like the pick, and I, uh, I I I I just like the pick. We'll move on. I I think this is great. I like that it's against the grain. I think everybody has kind of slated um, Dallas into taking that cornerback position uh most have it in as Sertan a couple have changed it up a little bit and um but still I I like the offensive line pick it goes back to what Chris was saying earlier right you bought the house you paid Dak Prescott you saw what your season and your team construct is if Dak is not on the field with how this roster is constructed so let's protect him Let's let's get some youth on the offensive line. Some of these guys are getting a little bit older. Tyron Smith hasn't been healthy in, I want to say, the last four or five seasons. And and quite frankly, it could be a little bit longer than that with him kind of fighting just the Knicks that you get throughout. But 
it, it, it puts the pressure back on the offense where all the money is for this Dallas Cowboys team. And it allows them to do that. There's much more depth in a defensive back class for this 2021 rookie incoming class than there is offensive line. So if you can go snag Penny Sewell, do it because you are getting one of the top two tackles in the class bar none. And then you can worry about DB for the rest of the draft and have five other picks for defensive backs and sort that crap out later. Yeah, I'll co-sign on going O-line here. And I think if the Cowboys get Sewell at 10, they'd have to be very, very happy about it. Yeah, Jerry will probably trade down and take two receivers with this pick. So I don't think it's going to happen. But, I could also see that happening. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this would be a no-brainer. Dallas did, they were dominant offensively with a dominant line and their line isn't dominant anymore. So if you want to become dominant again, you get your line right. And this is, you know, you could argue this is the one A or the one B, whatever you want to call it. But this is a tackle that can be a game changer for you. So yeah, you take it. Yeah, I mean, totally agree. Like, if this guy's here at 10, obviously Jerry Jones has quote unquote been infatuated with Kyle Pitts. If he's there, obviously Jerry Jones from his yacht's gonna take base, best available weapon, not player, because the best available player is gonna be Penny Sewell. Uh, we all saw right two years ago, Dallas is like we've all mentioned Dallas's dominant offensive line with Zeke Elliott. What happened last year? Their offensive line crumbled. They had a guy retire. Uh, they had guys switch around. You got to have that staple right there. And if Penny Sewell's there, you know, Slater is there at 10. Ooh, golly. Zeke will be salivating at the mouth to buy this guy, you know, what he bought all of his offensive linemen. Like, um, uh, what are they, Ryan? What do you, what do you ride around on your ranch on? Mules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Horses you know, sometimes do. <laughs> yeah, you know, not not like a real mule, like an automated mule. You know what I'm saying? Like an ATV. Yeah. But Zeke's ready to do that kind of damage, and like I, I love it. So like, mm, mm, love offensive line. Come on, offensive line is never the wrong pick for any team. Oh, I'm really glad you said that because at number eleven, I've got the Giants taking Vered Tucker, the uh, offensive lineman out of USC. Uh, we discussed this uh, a while back when we covered the Giants on that, that they've got a ton of weapons around. But in order for Daniel Jones to take that next step, he's got to be able to to be comfortable back there. And the move at the line helps. It also helps shore up some things, uh, giving Saquon a little bit of room to run and allowing them to throw the ball deeper now to uh, Kenny Galladay, who they just paid a ton of money to. I like the pick. I think uh, for the organization, it makes sense. I almost wonder if the Giants wouldn't be just trying to stack this offense now and really give no excuses to Daniel Jones. You have Kenny Galladay, you have Sterling Shepard or uh, Slayton, and then maybe add a Devonta Smith. Like That'd be kind of a cool little combo for the Giants, but I, I like the tackle pick. Again, you can't go wrong protecting your quarterback, so I'm good with this. Okay, I, I like this this line of thinking uh, where you say you can't go wrong choosing offensive line. Um, there are some examples uh, where you can go wrong choosing offensive line, but you put yourself in the best spot. I, I agree with that. Um, hell, Broncos fans thought that we went wrong choosing offensive line until well, last year with Garrett Bowles, who finally figured out that you don't have to hold the guy you're blocking. You can just <laughs> block the guy you're blocking. Um, so I, I'm with you here. Uh, I think that they, they need to address that line. They need to make sure that they give 
Daniel Jones the um, the best possible. I think I think the positions right here, Derek. I think I th- you're right on the position that I think that they go with. Uh, I'm not sure that it's this guy, but make your you've made your case for me. Yeah, uh, like I said in the comments, if the Giants don't go offensive line, fire everybody because. You saw Saquon got hurt last year. Jones had no time. They've got Kenny Galladay. I love Darius Slayton and Shepard as the other two options. You've got Evan Ingram, who's a very talented tight end. There's not a lot of weaknesses here on the offense except for the line, which did solidify as the season went on. And they have a pretty salty defense. Like if they wanted to add defense here, I guess I wouldn't say fire everybody. I'd just say fire half of them. But if they don't go offensive line here, I'll be a very angry Saquon Barkley owner because they need to protect Daniel Jones. I'll be an angry Daniel Jones owner. I'll be an angry Slayton owner. I'll be an angry Evan Ingram owner. They need to get that line right, because I think this is the... Honestly, I think this is the class of that division if they can just solidify that line. Yeah. I mean, offensive line all day, every day, just to protect the weapons. I mean, the market share of these guys is exponential right now. I mean, everybody on the, the Giants offense is ready to rock and roll, like Ryan said, Slayton. Ingram, uh, Galadaddy, right? Uh, obviously Barkley. And then Daniel Jones, man, like people are just sleeping on this guy. Give him someone that can give him a little bit of time, kind of like what we were saying about Tua. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm a Daniel Jones truther now. So like, I love the offensive line pick. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, the two most important pieces of this young offense spent most of last season hurt. I mean, Nate Solder hasn't really worked out for the money that they paid him to leave new England and come join the team. So it makes sense to go young here uh, and just solidify that. I mean, offensive weapons galore for a young offense kind of reminds me of the Carolina situation a little bit. Uh, Guys get healthy. They could be maybe not a great team, but fantasy relevant, fun to watch, and uh, hopefully healthy. This pick helps that out. So moving right along to uh, pick 12. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to address a uh, position of dire need for them. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey left. Deshaun Je- or Alshon Jeffrey got kicked out. Deshaun Jackson left. Um, JJ Ortega Whiteside hasn't panned out to the guy they thought he was going to be. Um, let's see. Troy um, Travis Fulgham uh, was a three-week wonder and then disappeared. They're still playing, trying to pull guys off the trash heap, saying, "Hey, you want to come play receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles?" Um, Where's Vince Rapaya? Invincible, yes. Exactly. Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager. So they got him last year. He was a bit dinged up, started to show through the end of the year, but now you're going to find his running mate, and his running mate's going to be Devonta Smith, the Heisman-winning wide receiver out of Alabama, and they're going to start to build this out and give um, Jalen Hurts some real weapons to throw to. So now you're looking at Goddard, Hurt, and uh, or excuse me, Goddard, uh, Devonta Smith, and um, oh, for Christ's Rager. sake, Rager. Rager, Rager, thank you, Jalen Rager, <laughs> Jalen oh and Jalen, yeah, exactly, Jalen and Jalen. So, um, I think this works for Philly, I think it's their position of most need at the moment, and it should make uh, the folks there in Pennsylvania happy enough they're not throwing batteries. Nobody cares what the Eagles do with this pick, move on. <laughs> In honor of my brother, I hate the Eagles, but this makes a lot of sense. Uh, in honor of our podcast, brother, I'm going to say it's a wrong pick. You should have taken Mac Jones. Done. 
<laughs> yes, Tom. Tom is alive and well. Yeah, I love Devontae Smith. The Philly uh, help bolster the uh, the offense around Jalen Hurts. Give him the best chance possible uh, to be successful. And uh, why not get the Heisman Trophy winner? Yeah, no, I I like it. They need wide receiver help there. Uh, give give that old boy out of Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts, some weapons to throw the ball to, so that he can actually hit a target and have somebody to throw ball to instead of just having to run for his life uh, back there. But uh, I liked it. I liked the pick a lot. You're going to claim Hertz for like a year, man. He played there for a year. Uh, are you claiming Trey Lance for North Dakota State? Yeah, but that's the school that he, he played originally there for like went a year. To. Two years. It would have been two if they didn't cancel the season this year. Well, uh, all right, let's move on. Um, he, didn't, he didn't win a natty at Oklahoma, Derek. That's true. <laughs> Trey Lance did um, in an actual tournament, no less. <laughs> You know, they had to actually play more than four teams qualified for the tournament. All right. Um, okay. Uh, moving on to lucky number 13, the L.A. Chargers picking here. And um, obviously, I think the Chargers, um, it would be smart for them to go O-line here to um, help protect Herbert because they found what everybody's looking for in this league. They've got a franchise quarterback who – uh, lit the world on fire last year, and rightfully so. That was that was an amazing year for him. Hopefully, he can, can turn those into some wins when they're not playing my Denver Broncos. But um, I, I think they could go O-line here, but there's a part of me that wants them to have some fun, and they play in a league or in a division, excuse me, with Kansas City, and you have to figure out how to slow down Patrick Mahomes two times a year no matter what. So I've gone with Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia – to play opposite of Joey Bosa. We've seen this work before. Uh, most recently, we have I mean, you've seen it with a lot of teams, but I, I go back to a very, very famous tandem of edge rushers like a Von Miller, and his name is escaping me now, but he played Marcus for the Broncos. Chubb. Thank you, Demarcus oh. Ware, or Chubb, or just you need two edge rushers to contain Patrick Mahomes um, and – the vaunted Broncos offense that you're going to see two times a year. So I think it would be a lot of fun to get Ojolari out here and um, have him opposite of Bosa and put the rest of that division on notice uh, when it comes to your quarterbacking. Scary. I, I want to re I want to rephrase slightly what I was saying earlier. It's not only a great decision to draft offensive linemen all the time, but defensive linemen, insert there as well drafting from the trenches no matter what your situation is is always a good decision so like you said pressuring the quarterback look at how the giants won those super bowls it wasn't because of eli manning even though a little bit of it was most of it was because they could just dominate the offense that they were playing with elite pass rushers if you think this guy's the elite pass rusher you take him no questions asked you just take care of your pass rush and you build from the ground up either offensively or defensively. So, yeah, I love this pick as well. The Chargers should get saltier on defense in that division. You have to deal with the Chiefs. So we saw what Tampa Bay did to make Mahomes uncomfortable, and they've lost some offensive line. So you got to be playing with uh, Kansas City in mind, and that means you've got to put pressure on the quarterback. Ryan said something about a New York Giants Super Bowl over the Patriots, so I'm done. Move. Yeah, so uh, I love the Ojolari pick here. Um, definitely the, the two pass rusher thing with both of you guys' point. 
That makes a ton of sense. Kind of reminds me of the uh, old Colts defense, two pass rushers, Derwin James back there uh, playing safety. Kind of built uh, that offense to be able to keep up with you. And, you know, the defense is set to rush the passer all day, and that's kind of what they're built to do best. Uh, I could see them doing like the Jason Oa out of Penn State just because of that size, but I think Ojolari makes a little bit more sense because he's more of the stand-up linebacker than Jason Oa is, uh, even though Jason Oa showed the speed in the 4-4 or 4-3 range. But Ojolari, the stand-up linebacker, zone coverage stuff, I think he makes a little more sense just for the arms race in the AFC West. Yeah, no, I'm I'm liking this pick. Um, and I think the the thing I texted you, Alex, when uh, when you made that was just this is a scary combination. Love the pick. I agree. I love the pick. Um, I don't expect him to have his hand in the dirt much. Um, that's he's going to be more that stand up outside linebacker piece, kind of how uh, Von Miller plays off the ball just a little bit in that stand up mode. But the thing that you're also getting with this kid, guys, is Coming from Georgia, he stops the run. Like he's not one of these just purely pass rush specialists that forgets about the oh teams run the ball, you know, as well. He absolutely loves to stick his nose in there and stuff the run as well. So he is gonna make it really hard for for the Broncos, the Chiefs, and the Raiders. Um year after year who want to run those gap schemes, they're going to make it hard to hit that B and C gap because if you're running towards uh, predominantly, I'm assuming they're going to be placing him at the, I I think they're going to be running him on the Sam to start, Um, but you're running that way. It's going to be tough to get past him guys, because he's, he's bred on stuffing the run. He wasn't brought into Georgia to be a pass rusher. He developed into that. He's still a little raw, has some mechanics that he needs to work through, but he does have the skill set to turn into a dominant pass rusher. Uh, Love the pick. So that takes us to Minnesota. And if y'all weren't aware, I think that drafting offensive linemen is a good idea. So I (laughs) took Christian Darsaw, and I think it's self-explanatory. You have Dalvin Cook, you're paying him. You have Cousins on the contract you have him on now. You have the, the Jefferson and Thielen. There's not – weirdly, there's not that many weaknesses here with this Vikings team. I know their defense wasn't what we expected, but I expect a little bit of regrowth this year as far as the Minnesota defense. So you solidify those trenches. Minnesota gets a good offensive lineman, and you move on from there. Totally agree. You said took the words right, right out of my mouth. Yeah, I love the offensive tackle pick here for the Vikings. Right now they have Kirk Cousins. They're okay at quarterback, but soon they're probably going to be in the quarterback market. Why not get a young tackle to solidify that O-line, let him develop while you're good to go in the meantime? Yeah, I like them going offensive line here. I could also see them going defensive line, uh, more of an edge rusher with like a quitty pay, something like that, on – um, on this pick, but I do like them addressing offensive line here. I like the pick helps, helps my Dalvin cook stock. Okay. Uh, as somebody who followed the Vikings closely over the last six years, um, Ryan, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. They didn't have a ton of deficiencies last year. They were hit by the injury bug. Um, but their O-line was a mess last year. It's a miracle that Dalvin cook, and uh, Justin Jefferson had the season that they did because their line was a disaster last year. So they should go offensive line here. But Mike Zimmer has one thing that he likes to do in the first round of NFL drafts, and that is take 
young cornerbacks that he has no business taking when he does. So if Sertan or Horn are still available at this point, I would be willing to bet it all, bet the farm, that Sertan or Horn gets drafted. Now, their defensive backfield last year was also an, an equal disaster, probably if not more than, than the offensive line was. Um, teams were able to throw all over them. That's probably the reason why Justin Jefferson had the season that he did was because the Vikings were playing from behind so much. They were pulling dudes off the street. I think there was a story of one guy who literally introduced himself and then went out there and played football for the Minnesota Vikings uh, the next day. So this, while I, I think that they should address offensive line, and if Derrissaw is there, they sh- this should absolutely go Derrissaw. I still think the Vikings are going to Vikings. Mike Zimmer's going to throw a you know, have his way. I shouldn't say throw a hissy fit because that's not his style, but he will have his way and he will go defensive backfield here. So I could see Sertan or Horn going in this spot, even though I don't think that's the right pick to make. So I guess this takes it to me, right? At the 1.15 for the New England Patriots. Uh, this was a head scratcher for me personally because Obviously, I've been a Tom Brady fan, as my guys know. I'm a I'm a Patriots fan because of Tom Brady. Bill Belichick is a, a born tactician. I would consider myself a Thanos lover, if you would. At the 1.15, I looked in Bill Belichick's history, and like when he goes in the first round, like it's normally a, a defensive player. I was going to take Mac Jones right here, right? Because obviously, he was there at Alabama's pro day. He was watching him, all this and that. But like Kevin mentioned, man, like there's a guy on the board right now that is elite. And I'm talking about a tremendous athlete to be a three-down guy who can change the way you mold something. And when you do that, you're looking at Bill Belichick and his creative mind. I'm, I'm talking about a guy that can run a 4-3-4 or 4 3 9 40 at 245 pounds. That's absolutely ridiculous. Micah Parsons out of Penn State. Tom's Penn State. Trace McSorley's alma mater with – 18 tackles for a loss, 6.5 sacks in his career, and 191 tackles. I'm talking to you, uh, FF Hustler, for the IDP guys. Man, you know I love my IDP stuff. So Micah Parsons is insanely athletic. He's a violent athlete. Yes, he has some off-the-field issues right now. But at this point, in this moment, like I'm going to draft Chase Edmonds right now. I'm going to draft Micah Parsons because it's right now. I'm talking about it right now, and Micah Parsons is the best defensive player, bar none, to Patrick Sertan that's out there. Bill Belichick will take Micah Parsons and run the defense to the ground. Yeah, Chris, you and I were going back and forth when you were on the clock with this pick, and yeah, you're exactly right. The linebacker uh, fit with Bill Belichick, that just takes him back to his roots. This kind of athlete, he could do whatever he wants with. And getting Hightower back from his uh, COVID vacation this last year to pair up with him, too, uh, makes that defense, hey, all of a sudden it's just really, really good again. And, hey, Bill Belichick actually spent some money in free agency. The Patriots are not screwing around, and Michael Parsons is exactly the guy they need to pluck and add to that defense in the meantime. Yeah, I like the pick as well. The Patriots do like to go defense here. So I – I'm a fan of it. I think they've got more positions of need, but I can absolutely see why they go there uh, with kind of a best player available right there. If I'm Micah Parsons, this is bittersweet for me. I am pissed. I fell this far in the draft, but I'm loving my landing spot. Um, He has essence of drawed Mayo. He's a little bit lighter, 
but he's quicker. He has more uh, sideline to sideline speed. But Bill Belichick, his favorite player, and to this day he'll tell you that, it's his, he doesn't name Tom Brady. His favorite player is Gerard Merrill. That's why he's on the coaching staff right now. Like, this is a big deal for him. I like Vrabel too. Yeah, yeah, he did love Vrabel. Um, I I like this pick. I personally think I I can't get away from Mac Jones. I get this pick though, and I like it. Um, but uh, if I'm put on the clock and put a gun to my head, I'm gonna say it's gonna be Mac Jones only because Cam Newton is not the long term solution there, and you got to figure it out. Yeah, I think that's why I would lean more towards Mac Jones at this point. But if they don't go, if they if they don't go offense, if they go offense, they're going to go quarterback. If they don't go offense, um, I can see them going Micah Parsons. Belichick never goes offense, and the fact that Brady isn't his favorite player is why he couldn't hide the fact that he's not a good coach without Tom Brady. Sorry, Bill, but you've never drafted an offensive player in the first round. You won't start now. Your offense is not going to be as good as it should be because you don't have Brady hiding all of your faults anymore. Yeah, I like Micah Parsons, but the Patriots are in trouble because Belichick's going to go defense again like he has for Brady's entire career. How many first-round receivers has he gotten for Brady? Zero. He doesn't wasn't draft Nikhil Harry, uh, Wasn't Nikhil, Nikhil Harry, Harry a first-rounder? Was yeah. Yeah, was he all. a first rounder? Oh, yeah. I'm yep. sorry. So he's Brady's had one last year, though. That worked out great. Yeah, Nikhil Harry was a great pick. That's my point. Belichick's favorite player should be Brady because that's the only reason he has any Super Bowls. So Micah Parsons, yeah, he makes the defense a little more salty, but this is a mistake. Like it's always been a mistake. And Nikhil Harry was a mistake. He took him ahead of guys he should not have taken him in. Okay, this is not against Micah Parsons. This is mostly against Belichick and the way he drafts. He's not good at it. He should let somebody else do it because all he drafts is defense. He's he's had what he's had what a, a seventh round pick work out, and that's it. Where's the other guys? They're just not there. So this was more me dogging on New England than it was dogging on Micah Parsons, who's a steal at fifteen. So on the clock at number sixteen, Arizona Cardinals. This is a really fun pick. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of ways you could go, especially with the departure of Patrick Peterson. Uh, defense needing some upgrades. The offense is, uh, you know, they're trying to become the Golden State Warriors of the NFL. And I've been hearing some love uh, out of Arizona for UNC running back Javante Williams. Now, I understand Travis Etienne should be the more popular choice here. However, hearing that kind of rumor, the love affair uh, for him, and also citing some offensive similarities. Uh, for at UNC that would fit into Arizona's offense. Uh, incredible athlete, awesome running back. The more and more I dig in, the more and more I like this kid. 106 rushing yards per game, only averaging 14 carries per game. The fit's incredible. I feel like this is a get-your-guy situation. With Kenyon Drake leaving this backfield, there's over 250 touches, 900-plus rushing yards, and 10 touchdowns on the table. I think Javante Williams and Chase Edmonds could split the workload there. Chase Edmonds only had the 97 carries last season. I think they're both fantasy relevant. I think this is just a, a perfect fit. Uh, like I said, ETN's probably most guys' pick here, but I see it being Javante Williams. No, I I can definitely see the train of thought. I don't know that um, that you see them necessarily go running back with it being Cliff's Kingberry system, just from the standpoint that he favors more that passing game and with you know letting Kyler kind of work back there and do his thing. 
but you're right. Them losing Kenyon Drake is a big shift in the offensive touches being lost, but I could see them trying to replace more of a Patrick Peterson type of thing here. And if you've got some of the cornerbacks, like we've got on the board still like a Patrick Sertain, um, you know, out there, I think that might be where they would go. But I, I do like the do like the thought process. I think this is fun. I think it adds to the cachet of the flashy Arizona offense. Like I can get behind this. Should they go defense? Yeah, probably. But you know what? If, if it's adding another tool and it's getting Kyler a little bit more run, another weapon to dump the ball off to, um, someone to kind of split the load with Chase Edmonds because I'm not convinced he can handle a full workload at all. Um, Enzo Benjamin, uh, the guy they drafted uh, fifth round, sixth round last year, he might sneak in for like 35 carries throughout the season, you know, whatever. But th- this is fun. I like it. The kid shows some burst. Um, it was a great, uh, I guess, part of the one-two punch at UNC. Um, but Javante Williams, or yes, Javante Williams, I- I'm totally okay with going to Arizona. Yeah, this seems like a likely pick, running back at least. But I think Kingsbury's gone after this year because his defense is so bad. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs this year. They're not going to make the playoffs next year if they add more offensive pieces because their defense just gets torched up. So I think the right pick is defense, but I think that Billy's likely right that they're going to try to add more offensive weapons, and they're just going to get run out of the building again like they did last year. I I think this is Kingsbury's last year, and – this that might change the way we look at this offense without Kingsbury letting it loose and playing from behind all the time, because like with search again, like you said, Peterson's gone, their defense is in shambles and they lost arguably their best player on it. And they're going to go offense and they are likely going to go offense here because they think, Oh, just give Kyler more. Well, Kyler can't play defense and they're I think they're going to be in trouble because they are going to go offense here. I, I will say, um, uh, but, uh, I, Ryan, I agree with you. And Billy, I, I, I totally love your reasoning for this one. Um, I think down there in Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury has the mindset of we are just going to score more than the other team. Um, now, that's not to say that we want to limit how much the other team scores. We're just going to score more than them. And I think that's the mindset that they have down there in Arizona. And um, that's the way you go about it is getting playmakers on offense. So. Um, I, I think that this is a, a very likely uh, choice that they go offense here. And if they go Javante Williams, yep, that is a lot of fun. Like Kevin said, I think this is, it's a lot of fun. So I'll be the stick in the mud, right? Cause I got to stick up for my boy, Cliff Kingsbury on them boys, Texas tech product quarterback coach. Uh-huh. And now head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Everyone saw his 50 shades of Arizona sea red up house last year, right? Who did he take last year in the first round when everyone thought he was going to go offense? He went defense and took a game-changing linebacker. This year, if this situation happens, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be the smart man and go Patrick Sertan. Or, in my mind, I think he goes Travis Etienne, right? I'm an Etienne guy all day, every day. That's the only way Etienne becomes the number one A guy for me. But if that doesn't happen, he's going to go back to his old Texas Tech ways and go, in my mind, defense and then go go all boy Rodemir Stevenson from OU the big bruising guy because we saw what Chase Edmonds to do Chase Edmonds was the top 25 back last year with the limited workload so the dude can do it 
Eno Benjamin is a 6'2 running back from the state of Arizona that Cliff Kingsbury watched every one of his not only college games, but half of his high school games. He knows what this kid's about. He's got the hometown atmosphere like, you know, um, like Austin Eckler type stuff. So that's the only reason I'm going to go against this. And that's just a, a you know, like a, a Hail Mary type thing, because I do believe he goes running back uh, if ETN is on the board. Fair enough. Uh, that'll move us over to the 17th, and that's the Las Vegas Raiders on the board here. And this one was a little tough for me just because, uh, yeah, knowing how the Raiders love their speed and with some speedy wide receivers still out there, thought that that might be a possibility. But they also recognize that they need some defense uh, playing in the division they're in. So with a guy like Patrick Sertan still on the board, that's the way they're going. Patrick Sertan to the Raiders, number uh, 17th overall. The pick absolutely makes sense. If this comes to fruition, I absolutely hate it because that means the Broncos have to play against Patrick Sertan uh, twice every season going forward. But um, yeah, with the Raiders going three consecutive, I guess what their, their first three picks last year were all offensive players. Um, uh, eventually they got to flip the script and realize, Hey, we got to stop people too. Patrick Sertan is the best player left on the board period. And he makes a ton of sense going to Las Vegas. I think projecting what the Raiders will do in the draft is one of the ultimate uh, fool's errands uh, in sport uh, because it is just you never know what John Gruden is thinking. And since he has full stop, um, you know, he is jury judge and executioner there in in, uh, Las Vegas. I just don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I think the smart thing to do would be to address the defense, but there's a part of me too that says, you know, Hey, if, if one of these quarterbacks is still around, say Mac Jones doesn't go, well, there's Mac Jones to Las Vegas. I I mean, it it could very easily happen. Uh, and I just, it's a fool's errand. I'm so glad that I wasn't the one that had to pick for Las Vegas in this one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, who ran the fastest 40? Because that's who the Raiders are going to take spider Two by the fastest 40. That's what's (laughs) happening here. So, if I like that's a, that's a little bit of the problem with this draft. We don't have a combine, so we're getting all these coaches timed time. So really any coach can just get their player to be the first round pick of the Raiders. Just say he ran a four Oh eight and he's going to the Raiders round one. That's what's happening. Yeah. If Sertan's here, this is ridiculously good for the Raiders, but I don't trust their wisdom. If y'all don't know old B wit down there, B at B wit two, four, he said, all these guys, he wishes the combine was back because everyone's running a 38 yard dash, you know, and it's fastest, fastest true. draft class ever. Fastest I mean, draft it's class ever. Ridiculously true. Uh, I love the pick though. Sertan, I mean, Gruden, you know, mm, knock on wood. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Looking at the big picture here for me, look at the, you know, the, the chargers that are coming up. That's a, that's a great offense. The chiefs obviously would know what they are and the Broncos are loaded up and should start to catch traction. Uh, and the passing game, especially here relatively soon. And with the the addition of Kenyon Drake kind of showed me that John Gruden might be trying to kind of change uh, the mindset here and go back to old school football. The way to beat these teams, do what they don't do, run the ball, play good defense. I think Patrick Sertan just landed in their lap and this pick got made for them. 
So for pick set or excuse me, 18, uh, we go back to Miami for their second of two first round picks. Um, and this one I tossed around for a minute. Um, they could have gone receiver. They could have gone running back with ETN still on the board, but I went with logic in my own personal logic here. And they spent the first pick protecting their quarterback. They're spending this pick getting after the opposing team's quarterback with Kuwaiti Payne, the edge rusher out of Michigan, um, explosive burst. He comes to the ball with bad intentions. He's going to help wreck things. Um, you got to get after Josh Allen. You're figuring um, Cam Newton has run the ball at a ton last year, so you know he's going to be mobile. You're trying to get after him. And then assuming Wilson to the Jets. So he's going to be a busy guy down in – down in Miami, but for South Beach, I think this is a great pick for them because it just helps uh, extend on this youth and defensive prowess that they're going to be built around. Could not agree more. I think that's where they go at D line. That's the smart way to go. Yeah, it's a no brainer. I think Miami's in the position where they literally should take best player available because they're so solid everywhere outside quarterback, in my opinion. Totally agree. I heard everything that you just said, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really like this pick as well. Um, Quiddy Pay, great pass rusher. Again, you could maybe substitute in the Penn State kid, but again, we're splitting hairs at the top of this draft class with some pretty good pass rushers here. Uh, we talked about it at their first pick. The Dolphins are kind of doing things the right way. They got a free agent wide receiver on the Chief for one year. Uh, you know, they could make that move, but building things inside out, doing things the right way. They've got the Bills and now the loaded up, loaded backup Patriots chasing. Dolphins got to continue to be smart. Get another pass rusher. Yep. Co-sign what everybody else said. All right. That moves us into pick number 19, the Washington football team presented by FedEx. You heard it here first. That's what they're going to be. Uh, The Washington football team uh, has a desperate need at linebacker. They have a lot of desperate needs, to be honest. Uh, desperate lead at, at, at linebackers, so I've gone with Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa out of Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. I think Washington's on the right path. I think they're making the right moves as far as the youth and getting the defense right, and I love the Fitzpatrick signing, especially for fantasy. But if, if your strength is defense, people might say, why are you adding defensively? Well, you want to keep that your strength. And these guys, some of the guys they have on this defense, they're going to be expensive here shortly. So getting a rookie on a contract like this, uh, if you think Fitzmagic isn't the long-term answer, you don't necessarily – I mean, the WTF team is not winning the Super Bowl this year. I think we can all agree on that. So you want to put pieces together to maybe bring in your quarterback or draft your quarterback next year. I think there's a lot of talent in this team, and this makes sense to just continue to stockpile talent uh, – fortify a strength for you because you're going to lose some of these studs when they have to get their second contracts. If you want to be competitive, you're going to have to lose some of them. So you have to get rookies in to kind of replace them. And I, I think this makes a lot of sense. Pass on me. Yeah. I like this pick a lot. He's kind of that he's listed as a linebacker, but he's more like that safety size and plays a lot like Derwin James. And that just adds one of these really super versatile, guys to a defense that's already stacked and loaded up. We saw what that Washington defense was able to do last year. Carried them to the playoffs and gave Tom Brady 
one hell of a fight. So I see no reason why Ron Rivera doesn't continue to just bolster that defense, especially with their quarterback situation. And uh, I just think this is a great addition. Gives them a lot of versatility, allows them to stay in some base packages. And, uh, you know, Chase Young and this guy together, man, what a great young duo. Yep, makes a lot of sense. I like it. Um, keep building that defense. That's one of their bright, shining spots. And I think that there's still a lot of room for them to grow. And, yeah, Ron Rivera is a defensive-minded guy. So, you know, continue building that defense and, and build their way up. Agreed. Riverboat Ron is not gambling with this pick. He is staying with what Washington does best and what he does best in putting a uh, formidable defense together. And this is the right pick for Washington. So that moves me to 20 with Chicago. And there's an argument that this guy might be the best corner in this class. He had some injury concerns, but Caleb Farley to Chicago makes so much sense to me. Uh, I was kind of shocked that uh, not that Caleb Farley wouldn't, wouldn't come here, but like my, when I saw Chicago as my team, I was like, okay, I need to get a DB. I'm hoping that Sertan or Farley and not just a DB, like a cornerback, Oh, Mr. Tanner Farley makes it. Well, he did. And I just got a, a thing on my phone today saying Farley is healthy. He's been cleared. So he's ready to go. He had that uh, off season surgery. I think it was his back. I'm not positive. But there were some injury concerns that might have pushed him down a little bit, and Chicago's praying that that's, that continues. That that news might not be good for Chicago because he might go a tiny bit earlier now with with uh, their, them saying he's healthy. But this guy's super talented. Uh, you you really could argue there's an argument that this is the best corner in this draft. Now I do I do prefer a Sertan or like a safety Micah Parsons. I do like them a little bit better, but Farley is a consolation prize for the Bears who really likely do need some help at in the defensive backfield. This makes so much sense for Chicago and gentlemen, I have to call it a night, but this has been a blast. Uh, thank you so much. And I think Pinto and or Billy and or anybody else is going to cover the rest of my picks. I hope you say I'm the smartest dude ever whenever y'all tell everybody what my picks are, but uh, I really appreciate it. Gentlemen. Well, Ryan, we appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks. See you Wednesday, brother. Later, my man. So I'll, I'll I'll go real real quick I guess Ryan I mean he's absolutely right about the Chicago Bears monsters of midway man like you got to get a DB for this to, for this defense right um they've added the Red Rocket you know they've got the dual threat guys between Allen Robinson and David Montgomery one of only five pairs in the NFL to both go over a thousand yards as a duo. So their offense is set, right? And you get Andy Dalton. That's a somewhat of an upgrade, right? So you know that they're going to be okay over there. Sertan's on the border, you know, Farley, boy, that's, that's a Chicago guy all day, every day. So yeah, Ryan is a hundred percent right about that. So I will say he is smart about that. That's it. It's last time y'all hear me say Ryan's smart. Yeah, so I really like the Caleb Farley. I like him as a player uh, to Chicago here. I was a little upset when Ryan took him. I was really kind of hoping he would land to me in a couple picks uh, with Tennessee. Uh, I really like that fit. Um, Chicago for me, obviously with Andy Dalton, they're in a bridge situation. So I, I, I could kind of see them you know, pulling the trigger on that next quarterback, Mac Jones uh, type situation for them. While you have Andy Dalton there to maybe help the young guy along and maybe turn the job over, 
uh, into the season if they were to be ready. So um, I do like the Caleb Farley pick. It's kind of the you know a typical Bears type acquisition. However, if uh, if one of those quarterbacks is there, I think Chicago has to make a move. Yeah, I could see them making a move on that. Another thing I could see them making a move on is wide receiver here. If they've got, uh, you know, there's still some good wide receivers on the board here. The fact that they've got Allen Robinson on a franchise tag right now, I don't know that they're going to continue that after this season as well. So I could see them going that, but absolutely. When you think of organizations, when you, and the Bears specifically, defense comes to mind. So this pick on the defensive side of the ball and a guy's talented of as Farley makes a ton of sense. The position is right. Uh, I don't know that the player's right. I am not a big Caleb Farley fan. Um, he is a predominantly zone corner who doesn't really love to tackle. And if you have to go up against Aaron Rodgers – twice a season, at least for the next couple years, presumably. Um, zone coverage does not work when you're playing against Devontae Adams and whoever the cast of characters is that Green Bay tosses out at wide receiver. It'll probably work all right against Jared Goff, um, but it, it's just not my flavor. I think they would have been better off going Asante Samuel. I think he's a bit of a, a better tackler. I think he has a better instinct on attacking the ball than Caleb Farley does, but I do think the position group is right. Yeah, I'm not sure. This is, you know, Chicago has so many things that they need to do. They play in that that North division with, you know, Minnesota's got a, a pretty stellar offense. You know, Green Bay obviously has a pretty stellar offense. I shouldn't say Minnesota has a stellar offense. They've got good pieces. Uh, and then, you know, who knows what Detroit's going to be. You can pretty much – you used to be able to just count two wins automatically every year when you go up against Detroit. But um, I, I think they would be wise to address defense. Kevin, I think I think you're right. I would also, you know, throw uh, Horn, Horn out there as well uh, as a corner that would be um, a good choice here. So – Right position group, I, I think it's a it's a nitpick between, you know, personal preference, the preference of the Bears of which guy they take. Oh, golly, I wasn't even on mute right there. So with Billy's Indianapolis Colts at the 1.121, man, whoo-wee, they've added a lot of different pieces to this offense, right? Uh, their defense is rock solid. Darius Leonard is the 1.01 right now in my mind for IDP linebackers. So what does Indianapolis need in my mind? Offensive line is great. Quarterback Carson Wentz is in a brand new spot. He's already been a top 10 Super Bowl winning quarterback, so he's good. You got Jonathan Taylor touchdown. Oh, great. You know what I'm – Jonathan Taylor touchdown, boy. Don't touch him, man, Billy. No, it's not Jonathan Taylor. It's you calling Carson Wentz a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. <laughs> he was on the team, all right? He got him there. Boy, I'm just saying, y'all talking talk about my boy Brock Osweiler? He's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, too, okay? Exactly. Exactly. I'm just saying. Just, you know, when you go Wikipedia somebody, that shit's there. All right. participation ribbons and those shit don't count. Hey, hey, hey I'm just saying Rob Osweiler got eighteen million dollars and he's chilling right now with the Super Bowl ring. You know? The ring's the same as the guy who started for the guy who was a backup. All right, let's just or the guy who's never watched Blue Mountain State. Come on. 
You're in my you're in my package right now. Come on. <laughs> but I'm gonna say that the Indianapolis Colts will add to their wide receiver depth with T.Y., the Texan killer, who is one foot out the door, but will be a player coach to Michael Pittman Jr., who phenomenal athlete progressed year in and year out in college. And not only does is he a team player, he gave up his number for Carson Wentz, so you know he's in it to win it. Nah, he I didn't. Feel- he didn't. Wentz is wearing number two. Oh, is he really? Yeah, Pittman kept it. Oh, not God. not a wise move for uh, the guy who's throwing you the football to not give up your number, but yeah, that's the way well, it is. Okay, <laughs> so that didn't ruin too much of this, but that definitely played a factor into it because I was like, oh yeah, that shit, you know, he's a boy. But whatever. I'm gonna go with Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota Junior six to a physical, physical wide receiver in a class where everybody is super, super fast, super, super agile. This guy puts a body on a body, 210 pounds, right? Top eight in the class at 6.3 yards a clip, 22nd in the class in career touches, uh, averaging what 14.7, like essentially a game, or I'm sorry, out of a quarter in a game, right? 14 in the class in scrimmage and touchdowns per game and top 20 guys in this entire 2021 class of every one of the receivers, he's top 20 in PPR points for 500.5 PPR points. Like you got to like this guy. I think they do this if he's available because they got the quarterback, they got the running back. Let's add some wide receiver depth. So let's go Rashad Bateman for me, at least at the Annapolis Colts. Yeah. I I love this addition for my Colts offense. We got an agent T Y Hilton back in that wide receiver room. Helping Michael Pittman uh, and those, these young guys, Paris uh, Campbell, it's been kind of banged up. So th- that kind of we're on the fence of whether that's not go- that's going to work out. We haven't really seen him play enough to show a whole lot. So it makes a lot of sense to go get a big physical wide receiver, get away from these smaller guys for an offense that's going to be a little more run heavy. I mean, Rashad Bateman, we saw him have a, just a monster year in 2019 in Minnesota: 60 catches, over 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, and last year. Uh, the, the stats were just astronomical. 51 catches, 700 yards, and six touchdowns, and only five games in the COVID-shortened season. Uh, this guy's big time, has been for quite a while. Big physical guy, catches in traffic, like you said. Really fits that run-first offense that the Colts are trying to build there in Indy. So I, before I get into what I'm going to say, let me preface that I do like Rashad Bateman and what he brings to the table and all of that. But... This this dude was the was the one dude that showed up to pro day and shrunk. Like they had him listed at 62 and 210 as going into the season looking at all that. He shows up to pro day and he lists just over 6 foot and 190 pounds. So like there's some discrepancies there, but moreover He's I don't I don't give no fuck. <laughs> Like he's the one dude that show you know, most of the time you show up to pro day and you know you're looking a little bit taller, you're you're a little bit more jacked. He's the one he dude probably that shrinks. A chiropractor, you know what I'm saying? He probably need to get adjusted real quick. So there's there's something don't there. Don't send him to Deshaun Watson's. Oh too soon. <laughs> so the uh I don't know that, that wide receiver is the move here for the Colts. I think they've got more that they need to address. Uh, they've got some, some 
defensive needs that they could go with, with cornerback, with a defensive uh, interior defensive line or an edge rusher. I think those would make some more sense here, but I do like Rashad Bateman. I do like him uh, and the potential fit here in, in Indy. But I think that there's already kind of a crowded run or crowded wide receiver room. Um, maybe not next year after TY leaves, but this year it's a little bit crowded. Ah, heck, the more the merrier. If the if the Colts, the Colts probably should go defensive back with this pick. And in, in in all transparency, I think that that's probably the move that they should do. But Rashard Bateman quite possibly could be the best wide receiver in this class when it's all said and done with. Like he's that dynamic and he did a marvelous job for a pretty pitiful Minnesota golden Gophers team Um, was still able to produce against Penn state, Ohio state, Wisconsin, Michigan. Like he did not shrink against his competition. So that was good to see that he rose to the occasion when he was playing kind of the blue bloods of that conference. Um, I like it because you're able to shift some things around and, now you kind of have a true home for everybody. You move TY into the slot and you don't have him mess around outside anymore. And then you can have uh, Campbell predominantly play in the slot behind TY. And you actually have Bateman and Pittman on the outsides. Like, so I like that formation formationally is that if that's the right word, but definitely formation for the Colts uh, that makes sense to me. So I like it. Um, that defense is that the defense is good, but I know that they want to be great. Like they have made a lot of comments about they want to get back to where they were two two years ago when they were a top five defense. They felt like they fell short in 2020. So there's some drive coming on that side of the ball as well. But overall, I love Rashad Bateman, so I can't hate on this pick. Yeah, I think I think in a uh in this world with Rashad Bateman going to India, it does make sense in, in what I think the real world is what, what has Carson Wentz been a big fan of dating back to college, his first couple of years in Philly. And that is receiving tight ends. And I know that I thought you're going to say getting injured. But he, he's yeah, a fan. I don't know that he's a fan of that, but that true. is what he does. Uh, but, but, what I think the, the the Colts need to address is making sure that they have one of those pass catching receivers. And while they have Mo Ali Cox and they have Jack Doyle, uh, Jack Doyle maybe plays how many five games a year, right? Like you, you can't really rely on a Jack Doyle to be uh, healthy um, for an entire season. So I think they would be smart to address the tight end spot. Unfortunately, there's not really a tight end here at this spot that you would take. So I think your value is you have to go get, you know, some, some toys for the guy that you had just brought into town. Indy's not a bad team. You know, usually when we're talking about a team that had to replace the quarterback, it's because they had deficiencies at quarterback. Philip Rivers was fine last year. He's since moved on with his life and has thousands of kids that he has to take care of now. So uh, I think with Carson Wentz, that pass catching tight end is something that they will address in this draft. Um, because like I said, Mo Ali Cox and Jack Doyle, uh, they have Bullard who's there as well. Uh, but it, 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 it seems to me that Pat, that a pass catching tight end would really, really solidify what this offense does. I, I do think they go offense here. Um, and if Bateman's there, that's, that's probably the pick, but 
I still think at some point they're going to need to address the tight end situation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but Bateman also 300 yard games with five games played last year. Super talented guy, man. Chris, I hope you're right about that. Just for my cold sake, that'd be a lot of fun. But on the clock here at 22, the Tennessee Titans, I was really hoping that Caleb Farley fell to them. They kind of need that uh, big corner situation. Uh, would be nice for that defense. They also need a pass rusher, too, looking at the Titans. They're looking to bring in, like, a veteran pass rusher. They've kind of been sniffing around everybody available. So Jason Owe here, definitely an option. However, I think once the corner was gone, let's just dial up the offense a little bit more. The departure of Corey Davis um, for the Titans. Uh, let's get Terrace Marshall, wide receiver from LSU, 6'3", 6'4", guy, 200 pounds, ran a 4'3", 8", an average 15 yards of catch while snagging a touchdown at 21.7% of his reception. So that's better than one out of every five catches he's scoring on. Uh, play action passes, he'd be a great guy downfield with that big frame, that speed to get deep, him and A.J. Brown together, I think uh, makes a lot of sense for the Titans while they ride out the rest of how long they can abuse Derrick Henry. Yeah, I like the pick here. Uh, they do have some pretty big holes right now in the receiving game with both John leaving and Corey Davis leaving. And... I, I like Terrence Marshall, big body type of receiver. Um, I think he and A.J. Brown will complement one another very well, so I like the pick. I love the pick. What, what does LSU print? Wide receivers. LSU just pops them out. It's, a, it's an NFL factory of wide receivers that they just put out to the NFL, so I'm all about it. Uh, let's have some fun. Go A.J. Brown, Terrence Marshall Jr., Derrick Henry. Um and you know who's salivating is uh, no other than Ryan Tannehill because he would love to have a weapon more dependable than Corey Davis to try and throw to when A.J. Brown is covered. Yeah, it's the, the, big, the big deal there is that uh, you have to give Tannehill some more pieces and make this team not one-dimensional with the run. Now, you're still going to run the football a ton, uh, but to, to make them a little bit more – two-dimensional on offense. Um, yeah, go wide receiver here and, and uh, let Tannehill show off the arm. Yeah, absolutely love the pick because what are you going to do with one of the best teams in the AFC? You add another SEC guy to an already heavy SEC team. Guys, Ryan Tannehill at AM boy, you know, SEC school right now. You add Derrick Henry, or you have Derrick Henry, SEC Alabama, Terrence Marshall, right, LSU, SEC guy and then you got AJ Brown SEC boy you know I'm just saying like it's running rampant here you get the best players in the nation on the best team and they're gonna win so great job Billy good scouting oh so that puts the Jets on the clock again with the 23rd pick and Going with uh, with Jalene Phillips, I do like the fact that they need a little bit of help on that defense. Bring an edge rusher in there. Uh, let him just kind of seek and destroy out that quarterback and really kind of help that defense along. Yeah, uh, I love it. You need, you need pass rushers, right? Like you can't let the score get run up and put too much pressure on your young quarterback. So get some guys in who can get after the quarterback, hopefully create some turnovers, some short fields and, and, you know, get that extra little success that maybe you can't always count on, but he's right there for it. I like the pick. Yeah, really. If you're not going, if you're going to go, you know, Zach Wilson at two, you, you're going to have to address the other side of the football with this pick. So 
that's what I, uh, thanks Derek, putting the spotlight on me there. Uh, but that's what, that's what I think that the jets have to do here. They need to address the other side of the football. Um, if they're going to, uh, if they're going to go with quarterback at two, go defense here. Yeah, absolutely. Love the pick agreed with it. And I was like, it may just, it just makes sense. So I have nothing to add. Yeah, I like the narrative of, you know, you got your quarterback, now go get something on the defense, too, to kind of build this thing the right way. Jalen Phillips being a, a really good pass rusher, top 10 in the nation in sacks, only six games played at Miami. Uh, he's a fierce pass rusher. Doesn't do a whole lot in the run game, doesn't need to. It's not what his skill set is. But, uh, hey, if you want to score some points, you got to be able to stop teams from their passing, too, and uh, really helps out the back end when you can get to the quarterback. So I like the pick for the Jets. So moving over to pick 24, the Pittsburgh Steelers are on the clock. Um, I was really thinking in my personal draft, I have Najee Harris landing in Pittsburgh for my personal one because I think that fits and checks a lot of the boxes. But for the purpose of this exercise, we changed gears up. I didn't go Travis Etienne, although I do think that would be a good pick. But I went back to a guy, played in the Big 12, 35 starts and 37 games played. He's a uh, he's a mauler, big, big-bodied, uh, 6'6", 320, right tackle out of Oklahoma State. Tevin Jenkins, um, maybe a little bit of a developmental project. He still has a little bit of refining to do, but when it comes down to it, you got to keep Ben upright if he's going to keep playing around and you're trying to capitalize on this great defense that you have right now. You need the offense to be able to keep pace and get back into the playoffs. That is the key component why I like this pick too. You have to keep Ben upright. There's so much riding on Big Ben because of the way that the salary cap and all of that is dragged out. You don't really have much of an option behind Big Ben. Um, we've seen how this team eh, wasn't the greatest without Big Ben. They will need to address that uh, in the future, but I don't think it's this year, and I don't think that there's a quarterback still available at this time, even though we haven't had Mac Jones go yet. Uh, I still think that uh, you're going to need to address that issue. So um, I like the pick here to to just to help solidify that O-line. And, you know, hey, the, the Steelers like to run the football, and you have to have a dominant O-line to do that. Yeah, I mean, I've watched a lot of film on this guy. Like, I say film, but I've watched a lot of game on this guy because my brother is an, an alum of this school. And this guy, like like Kevin was mentioning, like he manhandles people. Like he imposes will on defensive linemen. And that's what you want on your offensive linemen. Like you want you want a guy that can just dominate this and not have to worry about it. Uh, that being said, the best quarterback that's still available right now, Alex, is Kellen Mond. And that's all I got to say. Billy, you can take it away from now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Tevin Jenkins, great offensive lineman. Like you guys said, that big Mahler type guy really fits the Pittsburgh Steelers and kind of the identity that they've possessed for, you know, 50-plus years. Uh, so I really like the pick. kind of reminds me of the Vikings situation where, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's there for now. Obviously, you want to keep him upright, but it's also kind of solidifying that offensive line in front of, you know, the future quarterback as well that they'll be chasing uh, sooner rather than later here as Ben Roethlisberger's career comes to a close. Yeah, I really like this pick as well. The Steelers definitely have some holes to fill on that offensive line, and I think this is a perfect fit for that. Okay, that moves us to Jacksonville taking their second pick of the first round here at 25. And uh, I have also gone, you know, I said earlier that if you're going to go with the Jets, 
you know, they've gone quarterback early. They need to address something on the defensive side. I think the Jaguars take a different tactic. I think they go quarterback early and then get somebody to protect said quarterback at this spot. And uh, I've gone with Dylan Radins out of North Dakota State, um, which is a little bit of a homer pick. But at the same time, I think this is right about the spot where I think he does end up actually going. Um, First off, Dylan, awesome kid, Uh, has a great story. Um, If you haven't looked into uh, what he is, fantastic. There's a lot of stuff out there. Um, but uh, he's six six, three hundred pounds. Has the feet of a ballerina dancer. I mean, the kid is everything that you could hope for. Um, he, you want to know the reason why Trey Lance was able to put up all of those numbers in at North Dakota State? It's because he had Dylan Radens blocking his blind side uh, the entire time. Uh, they come from a running offense, a power football offense up at North Dakota State. Uh, so he can run block. He can pass pro. It, it, it makes sense to me that if you're going to go Trevor Lawrence at one, you're going to want to protect Trevor Lawrence at one. So uh, the Jaguars go with Raiden's here at 25. So first and foremost, the dude's last name is a Mortal Kombat legend. So you got to go with that. If you haven't seen Mortal Kombat's legend that just came out, Scorpion's Revenge or whatnot, old boys getting it. So like, I absolutely love the pick. You know how much I love Trey Lance. And obviously your offensive line helps you with those decisions because they give you that time. Alex, man, like sign me up for this guy. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. The Jacks got their quarterback at number one here. Let's make sure he's protected, keep him clean and let him develop on the field. Not trying to rehab. I love the pick Dylan Radens. He's a huge guy. Six, six, Right around 300 pounds, a really super athletic kid. Uh, if he was at a bigger school, he probably wouldn't be hanging around this late in the draft. Kind of that uh, small school bias here, but a very athletic guy for uh, FCS-level football. Yeah, I definitely like the pick here. I think it makes a lot of sense, them going on the offensive line side of things after taking Trevor Lawrence 101. Uh, for a second, I thought we were going to get another movie pitch spiel from uh, Pinto the last time that we had him on. Y'all remember that. That was a lot of fun. And uh, just uh, just for the record, the male version of ballerina is ballerino. I had to look that one up. Or dancer. Ooh. Oh. Just, just, you know, FYI. I didn't know there was a male version, to be honest. I thought that was a unisex term. No, apparently not. I Google said otherwise. Now that our Shit. audience has actually learned something, and I, they can tune out and go to bed happy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, on the promo, I did say we we're going to give you stats and also educate you. So there you go. We Thank fulfilled you. our promises. Absolutely. Now, I like the pick. I think it's – I could see him going defense here. There's so many holes that they have on the defensive side of the ball as well. But when you're going to invest the 1.1 on Trevor Lawrence, you might as well help invest trying to keep him upright so that way he can continue to um, fulfill his obligation to the franchise. My only, only concern about Dylan is I don't know that he has the lateral quickness to run some of that zone run gap scheme that Urban Meyer is going to want to implement. So that's my only hesitation of why I'm not quite sure that he's the right fit at this particular time, but I understand wanting to protect your quarterback for, for what it's worth before we move on for what it's worth. Like that, that's a very real concern that you should have Kevin. Uh, but his O-line coach this previous year, the last year that they played 
that he played football in 2019, uh, did implement a zone blocking scheme. So so Raidens is familiar with the zone blocking scheme. By the way, that coach is now the O-line coach at Vanderbilt. So if you want SEC, that's where he is. I mean, Vanderbilt's the worst, but that's cool. (laughs) It's still the SEC, is it not? I'm just saying it's better than the Big Ten. Is it not the Yale of the SEC? The Harvard of the SEC? What do you guys call it? The smart kids? We call it a step below the National Football League, sir. Yeah, sure. Uh, (laughs) Vanderbilt's just the kids who couldn't get into Tennessee. The smart kids, though. Rich yeah, kids, smart, smart, rich kids that there didn't want go. to go to Tennessee. It's a private school. Hell yeah, they should be. It's like Rice and UT. <laughs> so stepping in for Ryan here at number twenty-six, got the Cleveland Browns on the clock. He took in Jason Oa, the DN out of uh, Penn State. Obviously a freak athlete, six five, two fifty. Uh, was clocked at a four three six, I believe, or four three eight in his thirty-eight yard dash at his pro day. Uh, obviously a really good athlete, but one concern for me, not a ton of sacks for a guy that's flashing that kind of speed, zero sacks this last season, and really doesn't make much of an impact in the run game either if you look at some of his tackle numbers. So uh, there are concerns, uh, you know, obviously freak athlete, people are going to be really intrigued with that, but why no sacks? Only question mark for me. Yeah, I like the pick here. I think that that's kind of where they're going to go is trying to shore up the defensive line there a little bit. You look at what they did last offseason. It was shoring up the offensive line, and now I think they're going to flip the script and work a little bit more on that defensive line. So it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I'm not a fan of it, and that's okay. Um, But I have them going – I think they're going Rondell Moore here. I think they're the Jarvis Landry's getting a bit older. Um, Odell Beckham, like just the weird crap that just continues to go on with this guy. And I love OBJ. Like I want him to be relevant in the NFL again because he is fun to watch. Um, but uh, add add power to the offensive line, right? Keep keep the safeties back so that way they don't stack the box. So Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can continue to eat. And what better way to do it than the speedster out of Purdue who single-handedly took down the Ohio State Buckeyes in 2019. Um, but uh, I, I feel like they're going offensive or wide receiver here, get another weapon, um, get a little bit of depth on that offensive side of the football and try and make things fun in the AFC North. I'm with you, Kevin, especially uh, as Stefanski is kind of an offensive-minded coach. coach, I shouldn't say kind of, is an offensive-minded coach. Uh, So I could definitely see them addressing some of the uh, needs that they have on offense. And and while wide receiver isn't exactly a need, it is in the sense of what what do they have in that wide receiver room. Uh, So I'm with you there on that. But if they do decide to go defense and they particularly go with with OA, as, as Ryan has suggested, uh, that's going to be pretty fun. And, and, and Ryan, while he may not have had any sacks, um, opposite of Miles Garrett, there's going to be a lot of attention drawn away from him, and that could lead to uh, some fun things. So, so the argument that I was making earlier with uh, Ojolari going to Los Angeles, the same can be said about if they go edge rusher, if the Cleveland goes edge rusher here and gets somebody opposite of Miles Garrett, that's going to be difficult. It's going to put a lot of stress and strain on opposing offensive lines. 
And you're going to have to figure out which guy do you want to slide the protection to. And if it goes away from Owe, uh, that could help him eat. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, first and foremost, right, you got to give props to Miles Garrett because he's a game changer. Uh, you want to get a guy that's similar to Miles Garrett uh, that Miles Garrett can teach because when you look at what Miles Garrett can do, I mean, I'm not a film guy at all, and Billy will tell you that, but I know my boy Miles Garrett. The speed and the length that he has is very comparable to OA, right? This guy's elite in his speed, right? He ran like a what a four three, whatever Billy said, a four three nine, something like that, sub four four. But his length is what makes him special. His wingspan, what he can do with his fingertips, because that's what we, I want out of my defensive end, right? To get my fingertips on that quarterback, to get it on a running back, and his explosiveness, his explosiveness is so great that away is hands above a lot of these other guys. And to Alex's point, right? I want someone across from Miles Garrett that can take that double team away, right? This guy has the bend of Miles Garrett. Like when you watch Miles Garrett and JJ Watt, another guy, right? To take that bend is what it's called. This guy has that, and there's not a lot of guys in the league in college that can do that. So if Cleveland like does not go offense right now, because I would love for this to happen in the real draft, like uh, Kevin was saying, for Rondell Moore to drop just one spot right here, it makes a lot of sense for OA. That's all I want to say, because I'm about to go off on my next pick. Well, you're up, so kick it Ooh, off. So here we go. I just get to continue to talk. Guys, I don't know if y'all know this, but on my show, my guys don't let me continue to talk because they have to rein me in because I just keep on going and keep on going. But right now at the 1.27, guys, the Baltimore Ravens, and Derek texted me this, or I think you messaged me this, and we we're like, I kind of like this. It makes a little bit of sense. But Rondell Moore, right? The guy who is super undersized, the guy that I want to – I don't comp – players at all because everybody is different like billy knows what i say and billy and ryan and tom go against me on this but rondell moore in my mind is mugsy bogues john stockton i don't give a fuck how tall you are how big you are it's your heart it's rudy rudiger kappa sigma style the dude is five six five five it don't matter the dude has the most hold on let me get this in front of me real quick he has a 42940. He is the first in this entire 2021 class in touches per game at 10.4 touches per game. He is the only wide receiver in this class to have double digit touches. I don't care who you are, double digit touches from the Boilermakers against whoever the 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 little giants is still great. He's the third in the class for scrimmage touchdowns per game at a .856, man. That is unreal at his height, right? When everyone says his height. He is the number one wide receiver in the class at points at PPR points per game, 24.8. So the whole narrative of him being small, him, the whole narrative of him being undersized, I don't give a, if y'all never watched this movie, I'm sorry, but it's... um. Seth Rogen and Aziz Ansari when they're in the mall. I don't give a fuck. Rondell Moore is the truth. He is going to change the game. Everyone wants to comp him to Tyree Kill. He's not Tyree Kill. He's a totally different beast. And if the Baltimore Ravens get him, along with Marquise Brown, 
Des Bryant and Mark Andrews, this team and J.K. Dobbins, they're winning the Super Bowl. Hands down, I'm done dropping the mic. I'm sorry, y'all can roast me now. Yeah, Rondell Moore to Baltimore makes a ton of sense. Another 5'8", 5'9", 180-pound speed demon to add to Hollywood Brown. Just acquired Sammy Watkins on the outside. That allows him to do a lot of things going deep for Lamar Jackson. I mean, Rondell Moore had 114 catches as a freshman. He's been banged up. We're talking better than Rashad Bateman numbers, what his pace was for last year as a true freshman in the Big Ten. Uh, Pretty impressive. I like it here. I just like the fit in Baltimore. It's kind of fun fantasy-wise as well. Uh, I think he would make an immediate impact. And uh, honestly, the guy that I think benefits the most from this is Mark Andrews working underneath because everybody's going to have to be so deep on these RPOs, these play-action passes, uh, J.K. Dobbs in the gang. Uh, I like this pick, Rondell Moore to Baltimore. It makes a lot of sense. Really good fit. So I can see this thing working as far as real NFL is concerned, but for fantasy purposes, I really don't necessarily like the fit here. Uh, and I, I had to pull it up, but uh, you're right, Chris. I, I did send you that message said uh, that's a, you know, a very small uh, as in stature wide receiver core, but a very fast and speedy one. And that's absolutely what the case would be there. But no matter which way you slice it, when it comes to a fantasy perspective on this one, I don't necessarily like the fit because of the passing pie is so small in Baltimore that you know, even if you get a large chunk of the pie, it's still not that many targets to go around there. So I I could see it happening, but I don't necessarily know that, you know, long-term fantasy-wise that I'm a, I'm a fan of it. Yeah, I, I agree with Derek. I think it fits for I think it does fit for what Baltimore needs to do. Their wide receiver room is uh, uh not very threatening at the moment. You have Hollywood Brown who connects but and can take it to the house. Sammy Watkins doesn't wow me at all. Mark Andrews continues to dominate the target share coming out of the tight end spot, but Rondell Moore adds adds a bit of that flair. He's a guy that I would definitely be looking at, you know, fantasy-wise in best ball leagues. Like, I want to catch these high notes. I don't know that he's a dynasty or redraft target of mine, um, but in best ball leagues, he's a guy I'd go target. Um, super quick. You're right. He's not Tyreek. Um, he's he's small. Tyreek's 6'2 and doing what he's doing. Like, being... Being five ten, you know, five nine, whatever, whatever he's actually measuring out at, um, is going to create a little bit of differences. You're going to see him in a lot of jet sweeps. Here's my prediction: if this happens, you're going to see him in a lot of jet sweeps because at his again stature, he's going to get lost behind the offensive line and the tight ends a little bit. So you're going to be able to add those layers into your RPO style offense. You don't know if Lamar kept it or if he gave it to. Dobbins or if Rondell Moore's coming off the edge, like it's going to keep the defense on its toes. Um, but I don't uh, fantasy wise again, I don't know that it's a piece that I'm willing to like salivate over and jump in on. I, I think the Ravens, while they do need wide receiver help, I think you can get that wide receiver help later. Um, I, I think this might be a reach for Rondell Moore uh, at this spot. So I, I I agree that they need to address the position. I still think that, you know, a line help would be a lot better that they need somebody on the, on the defensive line as well. Uh, you know, a pass rusher. Um, there's still good alignment out there. There's still um, people, you know, 
a guy that I took for Kansas City later in this draft. You know, like there, there's still decent O-line help out there. So while I think that Rondale Moore, you know, I think he's a good player. And I think that, you know, he probably deserves a first round grade. I think taking him in the first round eh, may be a little bit of a stretch. And I think a lot of teams are going to shy away from that um, because there's only so many Danny Amendola's and Wes Welkers that are out there. And that to me is kind of the position that you're going to see him playing in. So um, I just, I just don't uh, see it here. I think that the Ravens would go elsewhere, um, but they would be, I could see the receiver. I just, I'm not sold on it. So the only part, I'm sorry, Billy, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, man. You're good. You know how I am about narrative street. The only thing about I have about narrative street is Billy, you already know what I'm going to say. The GM came up from an intern. He wants to know that these guys are players before they are whatever they are. He interviewed J.K. Dobbins and made sure he said yes, sir, before anything. So that's the only thing I got about Rondell Moore. He's a yes, sir, no, sir type guy. That's what the Ravens want. That's what the GM is about. DaCosta, I mean, like, DaCosta's a, a fucking tactician boy. So I just, that's the only reason why I got him is this. that I'm, I love the Ravens. You know, son of Texas, J.K. Dobbins. Like, I got to have a, a little bit of skin in the game. Hey, and he's 180 pounds and squat 600, so that's pretty sweet too. But uh, next on the clock here, the New Orleans Saints here at 28. A lot of directions you could go with this offense, but obviously a glaring need at the quarterback position and shame on the rest of the league, a.k.a. you guys, for allowing Mac Jones to land to Sean Payton at 28 here right there. I mean... We lost Billy. Oh, I've been on mute this whole time. That's great. <laughs> Not the whole time, <laughs> just like halfway I, through. I give Chris like the most crap about it too. That's awesome. Okay, so shame on you guys, aka the rest of the league here, for allowing Mac Jones to land to the Saints. They've got one glaring needed quarterback. A lot of fun stuff you could do with these guys here at number eight. Uh, give me Mac Jones teaming up with Sean Payton. Uh, Jameis Winston just got cut 66.8% and 77.4% completion the last two seasons. And that's over 540 attempts for Mac Jones. Him landed in New Orleans here, uh, just a gift in the in the lap of Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints as uh, Drew Brees rides off into the sunset here. Yeah, I could definitely see the Saints going this route if Mac Jones is still on the board. I don't know that they um... – necessarily go that route. They've got a lot of things to try and fill on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and their, their salary cap strong as well. So the fact that they would have three quarterbacks on the, on the roster there, I don't know that that's the way they go, but I, I absolutely could see them doing it if he's still there. I, I like it. I think it, man, it, like Billy said, it's dirty, right? Like being able to land, your guy or your next guy um, this late into the draft and, and being able to put him with a quarterback guru. Uh, Mac Jones stays in the vicinity of Tuscaloosa, so he's going to be familiar with the area, um, has a lot of pro-style concepts coming from the Alabama Crimson Tide. So I think it's I think it's a great opportunity. You can 
sit there. You can develop develop him for a year if you want, or you can stick him in halfway through the season. Either way, but if it falls like this, I, the Saints, you're right, absolutely, just get it here. Tie this up in a little bow, hand it right to you. We're done. Yeah, I think at some point Mac Jones is going to go in the first round. It's just a matter of which team pulls the trigger on him. And in our exercise here, the the Saints make the most sense. Uh, to get a quarterback of the future, at least a guy that, especially at this point, you know, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to worry about, you know, overreaching for a Mac Jones. So I think this is a, this was a a perfect landing spot, especially in this exercise uh, for Mac Jones to go to New Orleans. Unicorn fringe real quick. I got to go. Najee! So me and her have been in a couple drafts together and we had the same joke about Najee with the jaw rule thing. And I made sure I was like, Hey, whenever you do it, you got to have it in your head. And she's like, Oh, it's already in my head. So thanks for tuning into us, Uh, man. I got to go with my boy Calvin and Hobley on this from dynasty Vipers. You know, I love Mac Jones. You know, I love this team, but in my mind, I, I want to give Taysom Hill a shot, right? So, like, Taysom Hill's the only quarterback in the history of the NFL to have over 100 attempts and over 70% completion rating or whatnot. Calvin Calvin told me that. There she goes. Hey! Uh, so, I'm a Taysom Hill guy right now. I, I Mac Jones got to go somewhere, right? N- New Orleans sounds like a place for him, but... For Cal, man, I hope it's not because he's such a Taysom truther. So I'm gonna go with Taysom on this one. Sorry. Did you watch the the Saints Broncos game and watch how Taysom Hill played? Of course I did. What hot garbage! And the Broncos didn't even have a real quarterback. That game. Did you watch? Hey, did you watch the one the two games that Philip Walker Jr. played for the Carolina Panthers? Yes. And how hot garbage that was. Go watch hot his garbage. film when he was with Matt Rule or when he was with the Texas Roughneck, the Texan Roughnecks. Shit happens on a day. I don't, you don't know how they live. That's all oh. I'm saying. One game doesn't define anybody. Oh. I guess that puts me on the uh, the clock here. Picking uh, in the 28th spot, the Green Bay Packers. And so, again, I'm going to preface this with I don't necessarily think they're going to do this because of the fact that it's a need, a glaring need for them. Uh, But I do think that they are going to go wide receiver here. And that's uh, Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver out of Florida. Great insight, Derek. Um, I think <laughs> you're quite welcome. Glad I could help. I got away with that earlier. Like I didn't know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not in love with this kid at all. Like he didn't. I, I think he was a product of the offensive system that they're running in Florida this past year that that helped Kyle Trask, you know, kind of start the first three quarters of that season off on a tear and had him in the Heisman conversation for a little while. I think he's I think he's a second third round guy. I don't see him sneaking up into the first. Uh, the Green Bay Packers quite frankly should go offensive line um with everybody getting banged up and trying to keep whether it's Rodgers upright or have established a youth in offensive line before Jordan Love takes over. 
Um, that being said, the Packers are going to do whatever pisses Aaron Rodgers off the most. So it's going to be anything but wide receiver here. Yes, I am breaking my neck, shaking my head. Yes, they will do whatever pisses Aaron Rodgers off the most. And guess what? They'll still get an NFC freaking championship out of it. So uh, that you seems to be their end well, of the game. A, a championship Not actually game appearance. It. Yeah, I mean, they'll win the North again. Um, that is that is what I believe is going to happen. Whatever pisses Rodgers off the most. Uh, and for me, that is not going wide receiver. So I could see them addressing O-line, D-line. I think that there's uh, still some of those options out there. Um, but I, 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 I'm not sold on wide out here. I gave my thumbs up for everything that was said. So I'm going I'm to I'm be short on this one. I'm just going to mute myself. Yeah, I don't hate the pick. Uh, he had a huge year last year. Four out of five games over 100 yards, two over 150. Finally getting Aaron Rodgers of that first-round wide receiver everybody complains about, but I kind of just don't feel like they need it. I like Alan Lazard. I like MVS. I like the way they kind of mesh with Devontae Adams and uh, Robert Tunyon coming along in that offense. They brought uh, Aaron Jones back. So uh, I'd like to see them do something like get themselves an offensive lineman, uh, you know, maybe the Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan or the Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama would be good additions with them, especially Bakhtiari's been banged up. Uh, so I, I see the Packers. Let's keep Aaron Rodgers upright and uh, keep the build, keep building this team smart. Another wide receiver, I, I have a hard time seeing him make an impact with the current lineup situation. So moving down to pick 30, the Buffalo Bills. Um, I have him going defensive back, Asante Samuel here, guys. I, I think he's a guy who has a real nose for the football. He's a, he, he's a ball hawk. He's very physical. Um, didn't get much as much attention probably as he uh, should have gotten, but Florida State's been so pitiful here the last few years that the, the national scene um, coming out of Tallahassee has been pretty non-existent, but the guy's a gamer. Um, he is the shining spot of what that Seminoles defense was. And I think you bring him into a Buffalo area where they already have some veteran presence there. He can learn under everybody. He's going to be able to step in, probably play nickel at first. I don't expect him to start right away um, and then be able to grow and develop underneath that. But uh, the bills, making some moves here um, and and continuing to try and keep pace and repeat as division champs there in the NFC, or excuse me, the AFC East. I, yeah, I don't think that there's too many spots that the Bills really need need uh, help. I mean, everybody needs help, but uh, corner seems like a spot. That defense, the reason that the Bills were able to kind of overcome before Josh Allen became Josh Allen, they got pieces around him. The reason why the Bills were so good was because they had a salty, salty defense. So I think if you get a salty, salty defense back and you have the Josh uh, Josh Allen that we saw uh, from last year, it's going to be a pretty good um, combination there. So I like I like the idea of going uh, defense and getting a guy that uh, you can kind of work in and, and, and bring along to, to being in the, the NFL. I was on mute for a second, and I was just like, I have nothing to add. Uh, I like Asante Samuel Jr. I loved his dad. Uh, obviously, great pedigree for the kid coming in. 
Uh, adding him to the Buffalo Bills makes a lot of sense. They do need a running back. Uh, have I would love to see them snag ETN if he were there at this point in the draft, like, likely. Uh, they don't do that, though. So Asante Sandwich Jr. being a defensive back, a, a ball hawk type player, makes a lot of sense for the Buffalo Bills. Their offense is in good shape. Let's get the defense rolling and be a little bit stronger. And uh, after trading Stephon Gilmore a couple years ago, they can always use another corner. So makes a lot of sense. Really talented guy to be getting this late in the draft, too, I might add, at the cornerback spot. Yeah, no, I like it. Uh, Bill's taking defense. Yeah, you guys have already said it, so I'll just be adding on to it, but I like the pick. Okay, so that brings us to the penultimate pick of the uh, first round. The Kansas City Chiefs selecting at 31. They need help on the offensive line after the atrocious offseason they've had in terms of cutting laws mainstays that's the word i was looking for cutting mainstays there and and having to retool that so i have the chiefs going o-line here and i've gone with walker little out of stanford um i think they probably need more interior help than they do at the tackle spot but um you know you take them where you can get them and uh i've gone walker little here I mean, that's the that's the golden ticket right there. Billy has heard me millions of times leading up to the Super Bowl, how Tom Brady was going to manufacture this win, how Tampa Bay was going to manufacture the win and win the Super Bowl. But then it all happens, and Eric Fisher goes down with a torn ACL, a guy who's been the left tackle for this team, a stud for 175 games, who has only missed two games in his entire career, and then Patrick Mahomes' stud leaves. Everyone's like, oh, it's going to be okay. Nah, 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 nah. And Damakon Su comes back and is about to wreak havoc on this offensive line. So offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs is a must. They have all the weapons in the world. You got Tyreek. You got CEH. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got Travis Kelsey. What else do you need? You need a offensive line that can protect you for, what, four seconds to have Patrick Mahomes go Neo half on his back, half on his side, throw the ball. Because he can do it wherever he needs to do it, but he needs an offensive line. So offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs is a 100% must. Great pick, Alex, in my mind. Yeah, if you're not on board with the offensive line stuff, just go watch the Super Bowl and look at that offense. Look very pedestrian with all those weapons and no tackles out there to really block. I mean, that defensive line just devastated the whole offensive game plan of the Kansas City Chiefs because of that tackle position being so thin. They made some moves to clean up that interior line, uh, bringing in Joe Tooney, giving him a big money thing. And one thing we know about the Chiefs offense and Andy Reid, it's a complicated system to grasp. So I like to fit with Walker Little out of Stanford, a cerebral guy. He's also 6'7", just a massive man out there with some length to be able to help out and handle a lot of things you know, by himself out there without needing a lot of help. I like this pick for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, I like it as well. Does some very good things. Shores up a definite need. So, oh, is Kevin going? I think. Sorry, mute three. Um, <laughs> it happened, dude. Streamyard does it. See, Billy, I'm <laughs> telling you, it's not just me. It's not just me. No, his is on his headset. That's not on Streamyard. That's on. Yeah, that's on my headset. I'm <laughs> Alex, stop it. I have no idea how many times I'm just on mute on our stream, and they're just like <laughs> ragging on me while I'm talking. So, 
trying no, to get no, something I, out of here. I, I was just saying, I think he has the, the, the Walker Little has the ability to go inside as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up at guard as the Chiefs have kind of makeshift mosh pit everything together to see how it shakes out. I also wouldn't be shocked if you see um, the Chiefs, you know, see how the draft shakes out for them and then bring in some veteran offensive linemen to help really establish some things. I don't know that they're going to leave it up to a rookie to protect their uh, $40 million man. In Half a billion Mahomes. dollar man. Right. So um, more to be determined here on the Chiefs offensive side of the ball here, but uh, offensive line is the right piece. And then, uh, Chris, I think you've got. Uh, there Ryan we go. I was, just, I was waiting for my cue. You know, I, I, I tried to do it last time and, and I jumped the gun on that one. So, guys, at the one dot last pick for Ryan Hicks. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Super Bowl winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady throwing Lombardi trophies left and right. They've got a whole bunch of holes that they've already filled because everyone said they couldn't bring everybody back. They brought everybody back this year. What are they going to add to the team that's going to be super, super magnificent is a James White better type person. My one, well, depending on the landing spot right here would be the best landing spot for him is Travis Etienne, AKA ET. If y'all like movies from Steven Spielberg guys, the guy touches a finger and he makes gold happen. Travis Etienne in this offense would be absolutely phenomenal. Complimenting Ronald Jones slash Leonard Fournette. I mean, he'll do it better than both of these guys. Um, that's really – I mean, I wish I would have had more, but I didn't know Ryan was going to be out of here. But Travis Etienne, my 1.01B guy, depending on where the landing spot is between him and Najee, if Etienne lands here or in Arizona, he becomes my number one dynasty running back rookie right out of the out of the backfield. Because it's just going to be so, too good. Bruce Arians with his offense loves to feature a running back, and if Etienne is the guy, he's going to be the dude. So – I love me some E.T. Y'all can't tell me anything right now because I didn't pick him, so sorry. Yeah, um, I mean, Travis E.T.N. is a guy that I could see going higher than this. I could see lasting a little bit later into the draft, just being that running back position. Going to Tampa Bay, it really muddies up that backfield. It would really make it a fantasy crapshoot. Leonard Fournette, Rojo. And we heard Bruce Arians say that Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be the breakout player on this roster this year. So I expect them to not go this route, add another running back to the team. I think they go get themselves another pass rusher or another defensive back to help out that defense a little bit that started to get really strong down the stretch last year. I mean, it's, it, they're trying to win back-to-back Super Bowls here. The offense is fine. Get another piece for that defense. Yeah, I don't see them going running back here either. Um, and when you look at Bruce Arians' track record, the rookie running back usually ends up sitting the bench short of a lot of injuries ahead of them. Uh, you know, cause a lot of people like to bring up the David Johnson being able to come into Arizona during his rookie year. It took some major injuries ahead of him on the depth chart to be able to make that happen. I, the fact that they're bringing back uh, Leonard Fournette, they've got Rojo on the roster. They drafted uh, Keyshawn Vaughn early last year, I believe with a third round pick. So they've got some draft capital 
in that rookie or in that running back room. I don't see that happening. I see them going either with an edge rusher or going offensive line on this one. Derek, I completely agree. There is not a snowball's chance in hell. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick Keyshawn Vaughn at the 32nd overall pick. Uh, if he or ETN. Me, uh, Travis ETN at the 32nd overall pick. If he happens to fall this far, you will have a number of different teams banging on the door to get back into the first round. Actually, maybe not even a number of different teams, but you'll have a couple teams. The Jets might look up to move one spot, right? Just to make sure they get their offensive weapon because they're looking for a running back too. You might see Miami with their 5 billion draft picks over the next three seasons, you know, jump up and get their running back. Like there's some teams here I think could, could throw enough capital if they really wanted a guy. But that being said, I don't think that's happening for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I also don't think that there's going to be three running backs drafted in the first round. Like these guys are not all pros here. Like they're pieces. They're good pieces. They might have a couple pro bowl years, but for three running backs in the first round, uh, that's, that's a big deal for these NFL, these NFL teams. Your hundred percent recipe, Najee and ET. Uh, sure. Uh, he, I think, you know, and I'm not going to speak for Ryan here, but right, like, I think we all agree that ETN is probably going to go in the first round. Uh, I don't think it happens. I don't think it goes to Tampa Bay, and I'm not sure that he falls down to the 32nd draft position. Um, but if he does, if, if this exercise turns out to, you know, replicate real life, uh, Kevin, you're right. I think the Bucks would be more than happy to field the offers to trading out and getting something that they need. A little bit later on there's still plenty of plenty of good players to take on day two and day three uh and even next year because you you have to understand where this tampa bay team is they have a very very small and closing window with tom brady you have to maximize it the best you can you don't need to do much of anything on offense so you might as well bolster the defense if that's the route you're gonna go because you're going to want to make sure that you can stay in games because Tom Brady will always keep you in a game. So I think that's what happens there. I don't think that they go uh, – I don't think that ETN goes 32nd, and I don't think that he goes to Tampa Bay, but I definitely think he goes in the first round. There will be a team, I think, that missteps uh, – I say misstep, but I think there will be a team that values him a little bit more earlier in this draft and that he will go. Absolutely. And guys, that's going to wrap up the first round of the NFL mock draft brought to you by the good old boys fantasy football podcast and the fantasy first rounders live. Uh, Chris and Billy, if you guys want to give your tags out there so people can make sure they give you a follow. All right, I'll go. Hey, uh, at BWIT24, find me on Twitter. Uh, getting to be more and more active on there. Willing to talk football anytime, especially with this draft coming up. Everything's really exciting right now. So uh, I loved you guys' analysis and picks tonight. This was a lot of fun, uh, even more fun to check it out a day later after we slept on it and break it down and hear everybody's logic. A lot of fun, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I mean, always fun to be with on to be on with y'all, the good old boys. First and foremost, guys, you got to go check out the good old boys' 
fucking website. It's awesome. They designed it themselves. They created it since their baby. Go follow them on YouTube. Go follow them at their ads. But then you can also follow me, Billy, Tom, and Ryan at our uh, our podcast Twitter, right, Billy? Uh, at the Fancy First Rounders Live. You can find that later. You can see right there on mine. I'm at Aggie Kappa Sig, right? I'm always on there. I mean, right now I'm not answering a lot of DMs just because it's it's the off season, guys. But I will come out with something on Monday, as you can see behind me. I changed my background. Miles FF at FF Peacock has designed something for me. Uh, he made me a little a uh, a little superhero back there. It's called Pinto's PowerPoints. Every day I will have something coming out where there's a stat or something fun, like um, Monday morning, right? Derrick Henry has a 75% juke rating. Uh, that's really good. That's not what it really is. It's probably close to like a 32%. But you can guess how many people have over than them. I will say there's three of them at a certain point on sports me, like you can see over here. I'll get on SportsMe and tell you who they are. We can guess and debate. You can talk to us. I mean, SportsMe is such a cool app because you get to actually talk to the analysts. So no matter who you are, what you know, let's talk, man. Like, I just want to get better. So if you know more than me, meet me on SportsMe and help me learn. Because if you help me learn, I'll get you on the podcast. Let's go. That's all I got for you. At Aggie Kappa Sig, AEKDB, let's roll. Love it. Kevin, Alex, any final thoughts for the listeners? watchers at this point ah this is a lot of fun guys i I appreciate the time appreciate the insight the fun back and forth banter so um as always anytime you guys want to come on y'all are more than welcome thank you so much for being a part of this with us yeah appreciate uh all of the people sticking around and watching uh the two and a half hour broadcast my goodness we did it fellas and derek you made it through a live one uh you only have your outro to go here, so let's not screw this up, kid. Well, you know, I, I haven't messed it up so far, so it's it's we're due, right? It's time. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm going to try and hold it together. Um, and to Chris's point, if you have not checked out Sports Me, you need to download the app. You need to get on there. I very much enjoy doing it. You can hop on there. I'm on there usually at least once a day. You can respond to to that. Uh, my my handle on there is uh, at Derek Good Old Boys FF. I know Kevin's on there. He's uh, at Kevin Good Old Boys FF. We're very on point and on brand with that one. So you can follow us there. Engage with us there. Uh, you know, Banna White's got a. You know, might have a. You know, an understudy for you there, Chris, the way you're going. I like it. Look, so. first and foremost, Vanna White has nothing on me. Like, uh, we'll talk about this after the show, but my my wife was made because my mother-in-law won a, a trip to Aruba from Wheel of Fortune back in 89. So I got the film on it, boy. Like, it was crazy. We watched it. My mother-in-law won three days in a row on wheel of fortune they went to aruba two months later my wife is in the belly you know what i'm saying so it, it happens i love pat sajak and vanna white boy let's go <laughs> well, holy shit <laughs> true story though true story oh i do enjoy every time that we get ready to go to an outro pinto leaves us with just a little gem every time i love it 
it's, uh, it's what I do, you know? It's why people remember me and shit. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, guys, I do believe that that's going to wrap up the first live stream brought to you by the good old boys fantasy football podcast. We very much appreciate the fantasy first rounders live coming on and joining us guys. Thank you again for all your time and effort putting into this one. Uh, Thank you very much. Make sure you're giving them a follow. Make sure you're also giving us a follow at good old boys. FF. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now Twitch. We've got a Twitch channel for you. So you can check us out there. Make sure you're hitting that follow and subscribe button. For Kevin and Alex, I'm Derek. Have a good one. Be safe.